This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Thursday, 7th of January. Well, Kel surprise. Nobody won the lottery. Big, big surprise there. I didn't think they would, but I did, uh, I did buy some extra tickets. And I, th- I did them, actually. I should have done them for Saturday. I should have thought of it. If nobody won it, it would roll over to Saturday. But that's where it finishes. It's going to finish on Saturday. So if uh, if you buy a ticket, you don't get six numbers, but you get five plus the bonus, then you'll get a share of it. If it's only you, you get the whole lot. And so it drops down. So until somebody gets it, you might find that three numbers gets it next week. It's shared out with thousands of people. So you'll probably get a couple of hundred quid, which would be nice. But uh, anyway, at least we've, uh, we've fathomed out that it's nigh on impossible to win. Winter is coming. That, I can guarantee. I guarantee you it's got colder. They say it could be snow. God, I'm not sure about that. I mean, one minute I want snow. I'm very fickle on this programme, as you've probably discovered. One minute I want snow, then the next minute I'm thinking I don't want snow. The trains might grind to a halt. The roads will be terrible. The cars get filthy dirty, and I don't like that side of it. And uh, and people fall over. There's nothing more embarrassing than slipping over in the snow. When you get to sort of, you know, our ages... Falling over in the snow is very painful. I've got things on uh, to put on the bottom of my shoes, which were given to me some years ago, and apparently it's to make you not slip over. Because the one thing you should never do is buy brand new shoes and go out in the snow, because you need to scuff the bottom of them. So you need to find a bit of rough thing and scuff your shoes, because it's the only way. Because otherwise you'll be falling over left, right, and centre. Uh, why the BBC? The question is peddling Lady C's poisonous poppycock about the Queen Mother. This is uh, old Colleen Campbell, the woman who thinks she knows, but she's so deluded and so sort of drunk with her own power and the fact that people look up to her. Nobody looks up to her. We certainly look down to her because there she is in the gutter peddling a right load of old garbage, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Soup up your diet. You know, you're probably sick to death of people giving you advice on souping up your diet and you're probably also sick to death of Celebrity Big Brother because A, you can't find any celebrities in there. Uh, certainly Big would account for Gemma Collins. I mean, they don't get any fatter than that one, do they? And uh, and who's been chatting to the homophobe in there? Yes, none other than Nancy Delusional. Nancy Delusional will talk to just about anybody, mainly because nobody wants to talk to her because you can't quite understand what she's talking about half the time. And secondly, she's a bit Jordan. She can only talk about herself. She has no experience, apart from sleeping with old men. She does have that, uh, that claim to fame. Probably be a book. Be a book, but if it's as poorly attended in publishing sales as her show at the Hippodrome was, which seats 160, 140 of them were papered, as they say, in the business. The stargazing cricket lad, we wondered what had happened to him. I thought maybe he had some some heart defect. He fell off the roof, apparently. You'd have thought they'd have kind of twigged to that one fairly quickly, you know, lying sprawled on the ground, having fallen off the roof, and that's what killed him, which is dreadful at the age of... I think he was 22, wasn't he? 22. Uh, we still can't work it if Cheryl's magic marriage is over. Uh, I mean, I really can't work this one out. He started tweeting some things which make and look as if it's over. Um, He has been saying things about, you know, some people who are mean appear not to be mean, but in real life they're mean. I wonder if he's referring to her, because I should imagine she's quite vile in real life. We know what a temper she's got on her. We've, we've, We've heard it, and we've certainly seen evidence of it. So we know exactly what she's like, and a leopard doesn't change their spots at all. Tom is it. Tom and his uh, partner, that's Tom Daly. There's something about Tom Daly that is absolutely irresistibly nice about him. He's just a nice person. You know, his dad was lovely. When his dad died, there was an immense outpouring of grief for Tom Daly, because his dad died, I think, at the age of... He was, he was early 40s. And uh, and they got over that. The family dealt incredibly well with the fact that he came out and told everybody he was gay, like it was a big secret. 
That was a bit like H from Steps, wasn't it? I've got a secret to tell you. Oh, what, what can it be, H? What can it be? Transgender? No. Gay? No! Could have knocked me sideways. So when Tom Daly came out, a, a lot of people were going, oh, good, that's nice, actually. And then he finds somebody, and, um, and they both decided to buy engagement rings for each other, but secretly. And they kept them in their pants. That's kind of where you keep engagement rings, I suppose. I'd never thought about it either, but uh, now I'm thinking about it quite seriously. So I, I, I can only wish them the very best of luck. They have a lovely family around them. Uh, they seem to be absolutely grounded. I just hope to God it runs the course. That's all I hope. That's all I hope. I, I don't hope for anything else because I think they seem perfect together. From the same plant, spuds and aubergines. I never thought about that one either until we did a story on the programme ages ago, which was uh, an apple tree which had, I think, between 30 and 40 different uh, apples on the tree. 30 to 40 different varieties of apple. And somebody wrote to me and said, don't be so stupid. You know, usual sort of thing, green ink. And you know where they're coming from. Matrons generally only just allowed them out of the handcuffs. And the first person they write to is me. And... um, because this is the time in hospitals and places like that that they wake people up for medication. And the medication is, we're not giving you tablets, you've got to listen to Steve Allen for an hour and a half. So, so people, they go, oh, please, please, no, anything but Steve Allen. So they flick on the radio and they go, they're out to sleep within a matter of seconds. It's brilliant, I tell you. I'm like therapy, only so much cheaper. And uh, so, so they, they said, oh, you, how do you get all these different varieties of apple on a tree? And I said, it's quite simple, really, if you're a reasonably intelligent person. They just graft a branch on. So if you've got Cox's orange pippin, you just cut a branch off the orange pippin tree and you graft it onto any other tree you like. And the more branches you, um, you graft onto the tree, the more different varieties of apple you will get. That branch will only produce Cox's orange pippin. So you've got that, you've got Granny Smith's, you've got Braeburn's, all these different varieties. I didn't know there were that many varieties of apple. But they're all out there, and they were on the same tree, and now you're getting spuds and aubergines from the same plant. Brilliant idea. Excuse me, I have to do a little... Oh, gone crackers, my cold water again. Crackers, my cold water. So I'm, I'm, well, I'm well suited in the studio this morning. I'm well suited because I lay the studio out. And I go, big cup of coffee, glass of water... Five satsumas this morning and two new coffee bags. So at uh, five o'clock, go and get a coffee. Six o'clock, go and get a coffee. So it's all there. It's all there. Plus, we have an update for you this morning. It was, it was almost a gift. If you remember, I told you the story of the local wine shop in Twickenham called Bubbles. Um, I couldn't quite believe that they were so tight in there that they would come and steal a wheelie bin from uh, from somebody else, fill it all up with their rubbish and expect somebody else to pay to take their rubbish away. So I confronted them at Bubbles. I said, you can take it out now. In fact, I was quite rude. I used language that even shocked me, ladies and gentlemen. Excuse me. And so I made him empty it all out. And I made him wheel the wheelie bin back. I mean, I've never known such thieving in my life. He's obviously been at it for ages and ages. Anyway, it turns out, in the local Richmond and Twickenham Times this week that bubbles could be about to collapse. Why? Because they did an undercover sting and uh, it turns out that a shop assistant was caught selling alcohol to underage children. So in other words, that, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that then goes uh, to the licensing committee. The licensing committee then decide, are they fit for purpose? They're selling uh, drinks to underage children. You could probably try it in most of these little off-licenses on the corners and stuff like that. But then it got worse. Then it got worse. And I was only uh, drawn to it 
by a friend of mine saying, have you read the Richmond and Twickenham Times? After you were telling us about bubbles and the fact that they recycle their rubbish with other people, so other people pay to take their rubbish away. So you know that they're, uh, they're crooked. Uh, then, of course, selling drink to underage children. They do police stings. They've done quite a few in our area. They probably do them in your area as well to find out who's selling. And then it's up to the licensing committee to either take away the licence. No, 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 it got worse. Man meets Singh, who is the shopkeeper there. Whether he's the owner or works in it, I've got no idea. He's uh, been found guilty, well, in fact, he's admitted, of groping a 13-year-old boy in the shop. As I say, it's just one disaster after another one. They reckon he could go to prison for a year. He turned up in court, and uh, when he was uh, confronted with the evidence, which was on CCTV, uh, he changed his plea to guilty. So, uh, a pervert as well, as somebody who recycles rubbish in other people's bins and sells drink to underage people. I don't think fit for purpose, do you? I would think that would be about the worst thing that could happen to him. So, in fact, the sooner it's closed down, the better. Otherwise, you know, there'd be people writing slogans on them. We'll have some of these people going around tagging them, going, don't shop here. Don't shop here. This isn't the sort of shop we want in Twickenham. Thank you very much indeed. So I was quite surprised when somebody told me about it the other day. So I checked it out on the internet uh, this morning. And there it all is. So man meets Singh. You have been named and shamed. Pervert. Right. What else do we have in the uh, in the newspaper? Well, the lottery. I don't know what I can say about the lottery. I, re- I really don't know what I can say about the lottery. I was so convinced last night that I might have got something. I've got a couple of notifications back from them, uh, but that'll that'll just be nothing at all, won't it? I know I know it's money, but I don't think it's I don't think it's that exciting, and uh, and it rolls over to Saturday. So if nobody gets the six numbers on Saturday, it goes down to the next the next level. And so if you're the only person on Saturday who gets five numbers and the bonus, you're going to get the fifty-seven million or sixty million. Because I'm assuming, there was, I mean, there were stories in the papers today, as indeed you knew there would be, of people who were cl- complaining bitterly, because I think 200 people a second were buying tickets uh, for Camelot, and they were leaving it until the last minute. It's like we'd known there's a rollover for a week, you know, but they leave it to the last minute, the bozos of this world, and then they complain bitterly, because Camelot go, listen, it's not possible to buy tickets at the moment, we've had a, a, a rush to the website. So some bloke went, I knew it was my, my turn to win, I got a feeling, and you think, oh, you're as stupid as you sound. These people, you know, they moan about it. I got very stressed out, you know, because he was trying to buy online and he couldn't because the lines crashed because everybody was trying to buy tickets. I, of course, went on lunchtime, had no trouble whatsoever, no trouble at all. It was easy peasy to buy tickets. But there's always some buffoon, isn't there, who leaves it till the last minute. No, 30 minutes to go. And they go, I better buy a ticket. Oh, I must buy a ticket. I've only had a week to work this one out. They go online and, of course, they can't get online and they go, but I could have had a winning ticket. Yeah, and you could have been run over by a dumper truck as well. But uh, neither were possible. Uh, pathetic Winston McKenzie should be kicked out of the Celebrity Big Brother house. The, the man is a, is a pathetic waste of space. He's a failure at everything he's done. He was a failed boxer. He was a failed politician, laughingly. He was a failed X Factor contestant. And now he's a failure on here with his uh, anti-gay stances and his, uh, his rantings. I've never heard rantings like it. You know, talking about gay people in the house. And I believe that there are two. Mind you, there could be more, I should imagine. Um... He sort of said he's, he's going to keep his back to the wall, proving that not only is he thick and stupid, but ugly and homophobic. In fact, he has the complete set, really. The complete set. Ofcom, I think, are investigating about 168 complaints. Because as somebody said, you can't have people saying that. Strangely enough, Emma Willis said, uh, I don't think he's done himself any favours. Uh, which I thought was uh, playing it down a little bit. What do you mean, done himself any favours? You know, can you imagine if that was a white person going, oh, I hope there's no blacks in there. Can you imagine people going, What? What? 
can't say things like that, but he's allowed to get away with a homophobic rant because he's a pathetic little... I mean, as, as one gay person wrote in, or quite a number did, if he seriously thinks anybody would be interested in having sex with him, he's even more deluded than we thought he was. Oh, he's ugly. Oh, goodness sake, honestly. Don't touch ugly people, do we? Uh, it is said that they do try a little bit harder, but uh, he's certainly not worth it. They, they, they only took him, I think, because he's the waste of space that we all knew him to be in the first place. Uh, I was going to bring you the weather for today. All I'm going to tell you is it's cold and wet, OK? You do not need... To know uh, anything else, you do not need to know anything else about uh, the weather, apart from it's definitely, definitely getting colder. And it's going to be really quite bad. It could be. It could be. And um, it could be the, the fact that we get snow by this week. So, you know, it's uh, it's all good fun. It's all good fun. I don't really mind, actually. If, if we do get snow, I'll cope with it. If we don't get snow, I'll cope with it. If we get more rain, I'll cope with it. If it gets cold, I'll cope with it. I don't really care either way. Makes no difference at all to me. Prince George heads off to nursery school. The pictures make it look as though he's all by his little lonesome. Until you see the picture and the picture pans out and then you see all these uh, all these security around him. You know, if they're so worried about that, why don't they just do homeschooling? Make it easier. Quarter past four is the... The Alex Salmon phone-in starts next Wednesday afternoon at four with Ian Dale at Drive only on LBC. There you go. 4.20 is the time. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Thursday. It's the 7th of January and we're racing through the month, which is good news if you've run out of money. Because hopefully at some point you're going to get paid and then you can pay off all the bills because you spent heavy over Christmas. Everybody did it. Don't worry, you're not alone. The entire country seems to have gone mad this year. But as somebody said to me the other day, and I said it on the programme ages ago, the lead up to Christmas is by far the best bit. The excitement of, you know, of... uh, I'll tell you the one thing you don't see now carolers, do you? We don't see carolers out on the street. I know you get them in certain places but you don't see them in the little towns and villages which you used to, which is a great shame. But it's the lead up to Christmas, that two weeks of, you know, getting everything ready and organising and making sure you've got the satsumas in and you've done this and you've done that and then you get the one day and then it's all finished and then you go, oh right, so that, that, that was Christmas Day, was it? And what did Christmas Day involve? Eating. Eating and trying desperately hard not to fall asleep. That was the big thing that you tried not to do over Christmas. Because everybody did the same thing. Everybody said the same thing. They're all going, oh, so tired. And you're supposed to want to catch up. But the trouble is, if you've got a family around you, there's not a lot you can do. Because they're up in the early hours of the morning. They want to open the presents. They want to do the thing. And so poor old mum and dad don't get much of a lie-in over Christmas. You would think that they would get some sort of time to themselves. But they don't. Because the kids are going, come on, come on, come on. Come and open the presents. We'll open the pre- we did it. I did it when I was younger. 27. And, you know, and you get excited about it and your mother has to sit there in her dressing gown, half asleep with a cup of tea. And my dad's sitting there as well. And it was, it was just, it was the family atmosphere. And they're trying to recreate that. And I think certain pockets of the country do it very well. They do families. You know, I always wanted to come from a big family. I wanted to come from a, you know, a family of 10 would have been fantastic as far as I was concerned. The more the merrier, but I only come from a family of two. Big family, 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 extended family and things like that, and relatives, big family. Although over the years, as, as we all get a little bit older, we, just, we start losing people. I felt a bit touch and go this morning myself, really. But uh, that's, that's what Christmas is. And then you get, and then they go, you go into the sale. People will say to me every day, what are you doing? And I go, oh, I'm thinking, oh, yesterday I went out to buy candles. So I go out to buy candle, and that was it. That was the highlight of my day. I went to buy candles, and, and I liked them. I thought they were really good value. And in fact, I've now got a boot full of candles. So when I drop down to my brother... Oh, I've got all oh, the other thing I've got. Oh, God, that's what I've got to do this morning. Uh, because yesterday I got notice. Remember, I ordered from FedEx in America. I ordered from this company, and I pay extra, and they FedEx it over to me. 
And uh, so yesterday I was, I was tracking it, and it's in the country. It's taken precisely two days to get it from America to here, and they're going to deliver today. So I had to phone FedEx yesterday to say, uh, listen, um, don't deliver it because I'm not in today. I've got some interviews to do. Uh, I didn't tell them I've got interviews. I just said I'm not in. I said, but I'll come and collect it. And I went, OK, fine. Uh, I'll make sure it doesn't go out on the van this morning. I've got this horrible feeling it might, but I'm, I'm hoping that they've actually got it right. And he, when I said to him, I said, can you tell me where, where the parcel is at the moment? I couldn't quite see it on the thing. He said, Felham. So I said, pardon? Felham. He's in Coventry, this bloke. I said, where in God's name is that? Turned out to be Feltham. Turns out to be felt to me. Couldn't pronounce it. I said, say it again for me. He said, I'm not doing it again for you. He said, you're just laughing at me. I said, you're so right. I said, I'm so laughing. I don't think you think it was as good as Felham. It came out as something completely differently. <laughs> God, I can't get enough of this water this morning. Must be something about the water. Do you think there's something in it? There's something in it which you say, I just I could happily sit there and have it intravenously put into my body. So anyway, so what I've got to do today is phone them at nine o'clock and say, listen, uh, is, you, you definitely got the thing there? OK, I'll be up to collect it uh, lunchtime today. I know exactly where they are. They're up because last time I had to go out to somewhere else to collect it, which was a bit too far away. Feltham's much much closer to me, and it's like I said, "You want Spur Road?" He went, "Yeah." I thought that's great. I know exactly where you are, so that's where I'm going to go and uh, collect. I'm so excited, so excited. I always get excited at parcels. Don't you get excited at parcels arriving? It's the kind of thing you know. You order something and you think, "Oh, I wonder what it looks like. I wonder what it is." And so I, I get very excited about things like that. So today my excitement is a, is a parcel from FedEx, all the way from uh, Indiana, which I'm, I'm looking forward to. Uh, the story which makes the papers is the, uh, the cricketer. This is Matthew Hobden. Um, he plunged to his death at a country house during New Year's celebrations. They say he may have fallen asleep on the roof whilst looking at the stars. He was 22. Um, I don't know anything else more about it, except that when it was first... Uh, announced um, that he died. I remember thinking, and at 22, I thought, that's incredibly young. Perhaps he had a heart defect. Perhaps something went wrong in his body. I don't know. Uh, one line of inquiry is that the sportsman, tipped for international honours, clambered onto the roof with pals to gaze at the night sky and dozed off. Um, this house is Dalvey House, uh, set in Morayshire. Uh, police said there are not thought to be any suspicious circumstances. I mean, what a, what a terrible, terrible thing to do. So you fall asleep and he falls off the roof. I don't know how you fall asleep and fall off the roof. Unless you fall asleep, then you wake up, you're disorientated, you don't know where you are. Perhaps drink played a part in it. I have no idea, purely guesswork. And, uh, and then he falls off the roof. And that, as they say, was that. They're also looking for the uh, father of Cyan, uh, Blake, and uh, the two boys, Zach and uh, Amon, uh, eight and four, buried in the uh, former gardener's, gar- uh, actor's garden. Uh, one of the uh, aunts of Cyan says relatives want a full investigation. Uh, she said the police did take a long time to find the bodies and the family want answers. I agree, absolutely. They're also looking for the father, aren't they, who they think might have fled abroad, so hopefully he could help them with their inquiries. Uh, Jihadi Sid, the thieving, murdering paedophile, that's what he is, uh, this is Siddhartha Siddhar, whose property firm flopped, claimed income support, £247 a month child benefit for four children and tax credits. wonder where they are now. Perhaps he's sort of training them up to be suicide bombers. You can only imagine that this uh, ridiculous man, who's been arrested before, he converted to Islam from Hinduism. He's been arrested alongside Anjam Chowdhury. You know what low opinion we have of him. Uh, on suspicion of belonging to a banned poppy burning group. 
the day after he was granted bail, he and his wife, Aisha, and their children took a coach from London to Paris, where they travelled to Syria to join ISIS. As I say, very shortly, drone, take him out, country rejoices. His family didn't like him anyway, so no, no problem there. Uh, Cheryl Cole Shoulder. It's a play on words. This is... Uh, bitter Jean-Bernard Fernandez Vassini Versace Spagbol has laid into his wife Cheryl with a thinly veiled message on Instagram. Cheryl, as you know, is getting thinner by the second and is now looking almost emaciated. She bears no resemblance when you see pictures of her, the person before. Her face is almost sunken and that's with makeup on to make it look as though it's not sunken. He lashed out online. This is where we think it's gone wrong, but we're not sure. We don't know. This is just sort of showbiz tittle-tattle. He lashed out online when the X Factor judge shared a snap of herself, smiling sweetly uh, with an emoji. Is it called an emoji? I don't even know what an emoji is. It's like, I keep reading the word and I keep, I keep looking at it thinking, well, how do you pronounce that? So it's an emoji uh, of herself uh, amid rumours the marriage is in crisis. In an apparent response, he posted, mean people... Don't bother me a bit. Mean people who disguise themselves as nice people bother me a whole lot. And he added, don't come for me unless I send for you. Um, it's interesting, actually, isn't it? I wonder, really, whether or not she's, she's turned out to not be the pleasant person that she tries to pretend she is, but we know she's not. You know she's got a temper. We know she's got a foul mouth um, because she can't change. That's the way she's always been. And she obviously thinks that people go, oh, we really love you, Cheryl. You're really great and all the rest of it. They're the sort of people who queue up to buy Jordan's autobiography. That's how bad it gets. That's how bad it gets. Gosh, that water's great. If you're lying in bed at the moment, you're you're now so dry, aren't you? You're going, I wish you'd shut up with the water thing. (laughs) I did it last week. I amused myself, actually, last week when I was doing the thing about the water, knowing that I've, I've uh, been in, in bed before and I've lain there and somebody's been talking about water or I can hear water and I think, I've got to get out of bed and get some cold water from the fridge. So yesterday I actually brought a bottle into the, into the bedroom and, uh, and left it on, on, the, uh, on one of the chest of drawers in there, thinking every time I get up now, it saves me walk into the kitchen, I've got the water sitting in there and it stayed cold for most of the night, which was lovely. Um, I do love a good marriage. Do love a good marriage, and I do love a good wedding ceremony. I do love a, a good knees up at the end with a couple of drinks and some nice food and people being nice to each other. I certainly wouldn't have wanted to go to the wedding of John Campbell. John Campbell is a thug and a nice little piece of work. He goes, he, he gets married, um, and unfortunately, he uh, he um, he got drunk. He's obviously a bad, pathetic piece of work, and he then punched two bridesmaids. At his own wedding reception. That's the sort of person he is. He's given them black eyes. He broke the cheekbone of Sam Dewar, his new bride's best friend, who later needed a metal plate to reconstruct her face, lashed out as, uh, as she tried to uh, intervene when he got into an argument with another bridesmaid. And during the bus stop, Rachel punched Campbell. He hit her back. He then punched mum of two Sam in the face. And so it went on. This all happened in Macclesfield in Cheshire. I mean, to be honest with you, I was nearly on the floor laughing. I can't imagine. I don't know what, what sort of people fight at their wedding. I've got a rough idea. But uh, I look at this one here and Sam says, I still can't feel the side of my face. I can't believe what's happened. I've lost my best friend. It's been a nightmare. So he pleaded guilty to grievous bodily harm. I, mean, I don't know what you do with somebody like that. Lock them up. Lock them up. Oh, look, Mr Misery's out on the town. Here we go, Mr Misery, Zayn Malik. Oh, what a waste of space, honestly. A waste of space in one direction. Wasn't interested in the music, he's already admitted it, and Simon Cowell has sort of lambasted him, really. You know, saying, quite rightly, do not bite the hand that fed you. You were a nobody 
before that group came along and before you were assembled and put together and Simon Cowell and his uh, company Psycho worked their magic and you've gone back to being the dreary little nobody that we all thought you were in the first place. And so he's wondering, apparently he's going out with this Gigi Hadid, both look as miserable as sin, 22 years old and looking that downcast and miserable. There you go, mate. It's a bit sad, isn't it, really, when you've just got an endless life of going to bars, being photographed, coming out. You're not actually working, are you? You don't actually do anything. So uh, I think you should really step up to the mark and do something. Because otherwise, life is going to be a little bit tedious for you. 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Producer's got a cold. Oh, God, are we going to suffer with this one for the next few days? It's going to be dreadful. It's like people always do. You remember the advert on the television? Oh, bum. Oh, you know, and then they sort of... And we had the other day, we had the, the idea of, if you want to get rid of a cough, you rub Vic Vapor Rub, apparently, on your feet. I didn't try it yesterday, I have to be brutally honest with you. I thought about it, I thought, no, no, just cough, Stephen, it's so much easier. So anyway, so the producer says to me a minute ago, he says, I'm just, I'm just going out to get, get do a lem sip, going to make a lem sip. Like, you know, you make a lem sip. I said, what, you're going to crush up some paracetamol and squeeze lemon juice on it? And he looked at me, like, you know, one of those kind of looks. You know, if looks could have killed, that would have made me cry. And, uh, and then he produced a little packet, and it's all, like, so pathetic, isn't it? It's like, I'll go make a little lemps in, and I'll put some hot water. Ooh, that's better. I feel it's taken away the pain. <laughs> a friend of mine had terrible pain the other day, groin pain. I've never had groin pain. I've never had groins to worry about. I thought groins you found on the seaside. They separated the, the little beaches. But, um, and so I said, oh, you need to go and get some cocodamol. Because it's about the strongest painkiller that I've ever, I've ever tried. You're only supposed to use it for three days because it's quite addictive. And uh, so he said, oh, that's so much pain. I said, go get some cocodamol. So anyway, we sent, sent the boy around to go and get cocodamol from, from Mr. Shah. And uh, back he comes. Within an hour, he said, I can feel it working immediately. He said, it's fantastic. So I said, well, there you go. Steve Allen proved right yet again. Ta-da! But this one this morning, honestly, thank God tomorrow's Friday. Thank God tomorrow's Friday. Because he's going to be moaning all over the weekend. It's going to be, oh, I don't feel very well. And all it is, it's just a cold is, is a sign of your body's at a low ebb and then you've been susceptible enough to pick up something from somebody else. And in this office, it could be anybody. There's a lot of germ carriers around here. And, and it would be very easy... If you've been working quite hard to sort of pick up some sort of illness. So what you need to do really is climb into bed and get a proper day's sleep with a hot water bottle or something like that. Almost sweat it out. Saunas are very good for colds. Saunas are very good for colds. I used to go to a, a sauna down the road from me for years. Every time I got a cold, I would uh, I would go for a sauna. It would make me feel a little bit, little bit better about everything. And, uh, and then you come outside. And if it's freezing cold, that doesn't help, does it? But uh, I don't know. I think central heating is to blame for colds nowadays. I'm totally convinced. Well, when we didn't have central heating at home, and we didn't have it for years because we couldn't afford it. God, it makes us sound poor, doesn't it, really? And it's only because it was so expensive to put in, so my parents saved up for it. And then all of a sudden, magically, a boiler arrived on the kitchen wall and uh, copper piping everywhere. I remember the copper piping. And so we had radiator, radiators in the hall, radiators up the stairs. So it was, it was quite wonderful. And all of a sudden, it was like living in a sauna. It was like... Pfft. Because up until then, you know, you, if you're cold, you put a jumper on. That's how it worked in the early days. And also, my mother used to come out at night opening bedroom windows because she thought you needed fresh air in. So, in fact, we grew up quite hardy, really. It's only when I sort of enjoyed the delights of central heating, I started becoming sick. Now, of course, it's the flu jab that makes me ill. Sick web trolls in the paper today, they'd have to be. You're hoping they'd be targeting that uh, Winston bloke in the Big Brother house. But no, they've targeted Tim Peake. 
I mean, you can only assume these must be people of such limited intelligence, they probably can't even spell their own names. They're that thick. They obviously write on the internet, because they're web trolls, and uh, they, they hope that he dies during a spacewalk. I mean, you, you, you can't even imagine the mentality of these people. You know, it's, it's easy here, because if ever you get anybody like that, you just click on a button, and that's, that's the end of them. They, they sort of disappear into their own obscurity. I had to threaten one with court. I threatened one with the police because she's, uh, she's got quite a few screws loose. Her name was Cheryl, but she went under another name as well. And uh, it was probably her, actually, I thought to myself. And, uh, and I thought, no, I think you, you've pushed it too far. I'm just about borderline getting the police onto you. And so I've got a friend who works in the uh, police up at Notting Hill, and they deal with people like that. They can find them within seconds. So easy. And once they send a warning letter, it's the last you hear of them because they're generally pathetic. And uh, the people who would write to Tim Peake... Uh, hate-filled comments, hoping that he's killed during the task. You know, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, somebody says here, hope he gets sucked out and lands in the sea. Uh, I hate him. Uh, on a space enthusiast forum, another user wrote, would it be great if Tim Peake floated out into space? I mean, these people are just sad, aren't they? I mean, they're sad, pathetic nobodies. They'll generally end up in, in police custody at some point in their life, and I should think that's about it. Uh, Barry says, those so-called celebrities are keeping the genuine celebrities out of the picture because they don't want to be associated with the foul-mouthed has-beens bringing general celebrities down to their level, which isn't good for their acumen. Well, actually, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's that. I just think it's that no decent celebrities who are working would be remotely interested in doing anything like Big Brother or... Uh, I'm a celebrity, get me out of it. They're doing it for the money, those those people. Because they need the money. We know that old Nancy Lally, uh needs the money. And also, she's just boring. I mean, dull. Old woman, you know, beds old man. And this is supposed to be news in this day and age. I didn't quite see it at all. Uh, we know that... Uh, what else? Oh, the, you know, the Daniela Westbrooks. You know, I mean, nobody's interested in that. You know, somebody who sort of blames everybody except herself for her coke-raddled lifestyle. You know, and the fact that she's never managed to actually do anything properly. She was a waste of space when she was younger. She hasn't improved as she got older. She just sort of turned in some more of a, a help me, help me, help me. So people offer help and then she kind of throws it back in their face again. So she was a bit of a waste of space. I mean, poor old Gemma Collins. We dismissed her ages ago. We knew that there wasn't much going on in between her ears. It was just like a, just clouds. I think clouds were inside there. And now they, they put in a racist. They've put in a couple of, uh, couple of gay boys who sort of turn out to be quite peculiar. You've got Christian Maloney who claims he's had 60 grand's worth of cosmetic surgery. I'd get your money back, mate, because somebody's either having a laugh at your expense or you're incredibly gullible. Uh, a few old has-been Americans, a couple of bimbos that they shove in there, a couple of people who are willing to get their boobs out for the boys, but nobody's interested. Nobody's interested. All they're thinking about now is uh, how long do we have to survive in here? And I reckon that as they've done a day, they've done a day, I reckon you'll, you'll probably find that a few of them might manage about another, because the first eviction's tomorrow, isn't it? I'm hoping that they, they kick Winston out. It depends on how they see him as to whether or not they see him as an asset to the house. But as he's a, a rampant homophobe, what you really want is for him to be pinned down and snogged to death by Christopher Maloney. That'd make me laugh. And everybody else, I should imagine, in the country. These sort of people are ridiculous. If this had been a racist, he'd have been kicked out immediately. We have a story about racism, actually. Tandy Newton's come up with something which had, which had never crossed my mind. And I'm in, I'm in two... Two minds about it. Two minds. I got into trouble with a friend of mine, Jordan, the other day when I suggested he had Winnie the Pooh pyjamas. I think he took umbrage at the fact that he might have Winnie the Pooh pyjamas. And then I sort of decided perhaps he didn't have pyjamas at all. But he's definitely got Thomas the Tank Engine slippers. <laughs> I quite like slippers. I love it when you see little little kids and, uh, and there's, a, there's a video 
on the television of a little girl called Lexi. She's about 13 now. She's sung with this uh, choir in America, 100, uh, 100 strong kids. And she's out filming with her friends. And they're at that age, you know, the 11, 10, 11, 12, 13-year-olds, who, they're still little children. And they just derive so much. But I can remember going out on my bicycle. You would hop on your bike and imagine you were all sorts of things. You know, you'd be racing away and, oh, loved it. Now, of course, highly dangerous because there's cars on the road. And uh, so many of them appear to be uninsured. It's a little bit of a worry out there. But they, they were just being kids in this video. And I watched it this morning and I thought, Gee, there's something nice about being kids. It finishes too quickly. Finishes way, way too quickly. Way too quickly. And you sort of you get through your, your childhood. And the next thing you're at the sort of big boys school or big girls school. And, and then you finish and then you go, I better find a job. And you go, oh, what sort of job I'm going to find? I've got no idea. What sort of job would I be looking for? And I meet people all the time who go, oh, I don't know what I want to do. And I said, well, you need to make up your mind because there's lots of you on the market also looking for jobs. And people want to get out there and, they, and they're all looking for something. What everybody wants nowadays, they want to be earning a decent salary and they want it immediately and, and they don't want to do many hours for it. So radio is the perf- perfect example of, uh, of how you can do something and give pleasure to lots and lots of other people, and they pay you for it. It's like being a celebrity cook, as, you know, I could say to Phil Vickery. It's, it's, you go on television, you're doing something that you love doing. I've noticed that Fern is now taken over from, uh, from Ronnie Corbett on that advert, and she's got a quiz show on the television. They must be minted in that family, but I think they're like... I think they're like Ant and Dick. I think Phil and Fern... Uh, are very much like Phil and Fern. How funny. Uh, I think they're very much like Ant and Deck. They, they've got the money and they've got, you know, nice lifestyle, but they carry on working because you're never sure when it's going to finish. If you're on television, it's a very fickle business. People come in, people come out. I've seen people arrive on television and they, they do a, a quiz show or a game show and then they get invited on to things and people think, oh, that's good, I'll do that. It's like when you see people doing the Sky newspaper review. You know, sometimes that might be the only work they've actually got. In fact, in some of their cases, that is the only work they've got. And they might appear, say, three times in a month. Well, at 200 to 250 quid a pop, which is what it pays for doing the paper review, you're not exactly going to be surviving much on that, are you? And there's so many people who want to do it. They're all circling daytime television. They're all circling, you know, all those programmes that give an outlet. This morning, thank goodness, stopped doing the paper review because they suddenly realise you've got two people on there at probably three, 400 quid a pop, plus cars. That's a, that could be a £1,000 spot. You can do a lot with that. That's that's every day. Every day, a thousand pounds. You're looking at five grand a week, 20,000 a month, quarter of a million a year. You can spend that elsewhere and get better value. And it's easy to get talking heads. You can get talking heads or, you know, as we as we've discussed before, Matthew Wright's program. I don't know what they would pay. They might pay 250 quid a pop as well. It seems to be about average. Seems to be about average. I don't know what loose women pay grand for some of their um, some of their contributors on the program. I don't know. I don't know. But but you, you can spend the money better elsewhere. And that's why people, you know, work like Ant and Deck, because they don't know when it's going to finish. Next year, they might fall out of favour. The British public might go, no, we want more of Rylan. Unlikely, but, you know, it could happen. And so they they carry on working. That's the whole point of it. You know, I, I see people in radio. I know lots of people in radio, lots of people, you know, working presenters, producers, people who work behind the scenes. And the one thing I say to everybody is enjoy it. Enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, go and do something else because there is not room for people to moan about the business. We all moan about the fact that, you know, oh, my feet hurt or this hurts. But I've never moaned about doing a programme. Never moaned about doing a programme in my life. It's my, my choice to do it. My choice to do it. Their choice as to whether they offer me the opportunity to do it. 
And as my boss says, just just look at your figures. So I do, in the mirror. Every morning, I look at it and I think, it's definitely expanding. Oh, good news. Good news, good news, good news, good news. For those fans of Lemmy, his funeral's going to be streamed online. Now, I've never heard of this being done before. And it's going to happen. And uh, Motorhead invited all their fans to tune in and be part of Saturday's memorial service. It's going to be on YouTube. Streamed from 11pm in Britain through Motorhead's official YouTube channel. And uh, so they want people... That, apparently 15,000 fans have signed a petition uh, calling for a newly found super heavy element to be named Lemium. Lemium. So the funeral streamed live on... That should be an interesting one, shouldn't it? My friend Ian will be uh, be glued to that one. It's 14 minutes to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Actually, every day in the newspapers, and good morning, incidentally, it's Thursday the 7th of January. I'm Steve Allen. This is Early Breakfast. This is the, the programme that says exactly what you're thinking. This is exactly the sort of programme, if you could do a programme, you'd be doing one like this. So, at the moment, as we get every year, and it's been as many years as I've been living and breathing, you get the celebrity DVDs. They bring them out there and they all come up with the same thing, like Lauren Goodger came up with the old claptrap on television, that uh, it's because somebody called her fat and the internet trolls targeted her. This was after uh, a photographer took a picture of her on a beach. It was a set-up picture. It's quite clearly, you know, nobody knows who she is. She's a nobody. She's a total nobody. She was on a reality show once. She went out with somebody and that was it. There's no, there's no talent there at all. And so then somebody goes, oh, listen, we need you to make a... Di- How do you want to make some money? Let's get a picture of you looking really fat and bloated. You go out and eat... Uh, try and look like, like Gemma Collins and look really gross. Put on a smaller bikini than you would normally wear and it'll make it look even worse. Well, hang, hang on to that picture. Then when you lose the weight, we can put it up and say, this is what you used to look like. The fact there was a fairly long gap between this picture being taken and the new one, of course, is neither here nor there. So, of course, I was intrigued to discover the other day that Kim Marsh also decided to lose weight when she was called fat on television. She felt humiliated. And I thought, well, I don't remember that, because she's never been fat as far as I remember. She's always been fairly fairly slim. Do you know what, what year this was that somebody called her fat and humiliated her on television? 2001. <laughs> and it was on Pop Stars when Nigel Lithgow visited her at home and told her Christmas is over and the goose has gotten fat. And, uh, and so apparently she felt humiliated. What a load of old cobblers, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, seriously. 2001, what, 14 years ago? And then you think, oh, better bring out... Uh, to bring out a little DVD, try and toff up the uh, the coffers in that one. It's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. These people, it is just ghastly. Raining in Yorkshire, says Piers. We're hoping it doesn't flood, but we are on standby. Everything crossed. Well, I mean, it's it's this and it's been everywhere else. It might as well be there as well, mightn't it? Uh, the lottery is a tax on stupid people, says Simon. Well, it's it's a dream, isn't it? For many people, winning the lottery would be a dream. What amazes me is the people who who buy a ticket and then sort of moan when it doesn't win them anything. It's like putting money in a slot machine and pulling the handle. You want to see dreams? You want to see dreams being shattered? You want to see people in a, in a terrible state? Go to Vegas. Go to Vegas. You will see people standing mindlessly in front of fruit machines in every single hotel, every bar, every casino, pumping money time and time. It becomes, it becomes rhythmic. Dun, 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 dun. Pull the handle, put the money in, pull the handle. Put the money in, put the handle. Oh, a little bit of it comes out. Put the money in, pull the handle. And they'll do this for hours on end. Hours. In fact, they do it for so many hours, they put chairs in front of all the fruit machines. Years ago, you walked into a pub. There wasn't a chair in front of a fruit machine. They want you to pump money in. They want you to be captivated by the bright lights. Ooh, money in here. You can win a $1,000. You can win a $1,000,000. You can win 
$10 million. Just pull the hat. Come on, put the money in. Play on our tables. Come on, they're all happy people. It doesn't alter the fact that the odds are stacked against you. When you look at the odds on the lottery of 45 million to one, quite clearly, hardly anybody's going to win. And that's been proven time and time again as we go for rollover after rollover after rollover. So finally on Saturday, we stopped doing the rollovers, which is good news. And uh, we get down to business. But I mean, you only want to play the lottery when it's 54 million. You want to play when it's 10 million or 3 million or 6 million. Who wants to play when it's that? Who wants 3 million? That's not life changing. Unless, of course, you're 97 and you're, you know, you're, on, you're on sort of death watch at the moment. You know, if you win three million, then they're fine. But it's not going to change anything in your life, is it? 50, it's not. If you're 97 and you get three million, what in God's name are you going to do? You're going to go out and buy a new sofa? Yeah, but, if it change your, but you're not 97. It wouldn't change your life now because you're on Lemsips. You don't even know where you are. You're floating up with the pixies, aren't you? In fact, if I gave you a feather duster, you could do the ceiling in the studio at the same time. He doesn't know where he is. Honestly, honestly, he's like, woo, woo, scary, scary pictures. Money, 57 million. I mean, it's nice. I mean, 57 million have changed my life. Too true. As I said this morning at the beginning of the programme, the only reason I'm here is because I didn't win the lottery. If I'd won the lottery, actually tell a lie, if I'd won the lottery, I'd still be there. Because otherwise they'd sue me because I've got a contract. <laughs> you imagine just phoning up and going, I'm not coming in, I've won the lottery. I've won the lottery. Because people do that, don't they? They, they? they sort of win a little bit of money and they go, well, that's it, I'm not going into work. And you think, you'd be mad. Why would you not go into work? Anything you want to do with the lottery money at the moment, you can carry on working and do it at the same time. You seriously think, I want to stop work when I'm going to have a really flash house to show off? <laughs> Certainly not. I'd be inviting people round, party at Steve's place. Come on, yeah. I'd have people in there going, gosh, is this what, is this what you get for 16 million, Steve? And I'd be going, yep, yep. I've still got a bit of money left in the bank. So I've changed the car. And, uh, and then what do you do then? What do you do then? You go on holiday, you buy some clothes. All your friends are working, so you're stuck. What do you do? Nothing. Carry on working. That makes perfect sense to me. Only if you're old and, and you've stopped work anyway, in which case you're adjusted to that kind of lifestyle. But if you're a young person in your mid-twenties and you win, say, three or four million, I wouldn't stop work. Not on that little. Not on that little, unless you really want to be lazy. No, I'd advise all, everybody to keep working. Excuse me, again, a slurp of... Oh, it's delicious. Uh, you know, I would advise everybody to keep on working. It's a, worth e- a work ethic... You get yourself into it. People say to me, all my friends, they say to me, you don't do holidays, do you? And I say, no. What, would, I mean, what could I possibly achieve on holiday apart from stress? I cannot achieve anything on a holiday. I'm not interested. I don't do lying on sun lounges. I'm not remotely interested in sort of, you know, going on travelling holidays and sightseeing and all that kind of stuff. I've got the internet. I can do all of that sitting in front of it at home. I don't need to, to go anywhere to achieve it. You know, if I want to eat foreign food. I go to Costco. They've got loads of it. I can have all sorts of things. I can eat every, I can eat every land, you know, in London. Every country is represented here. So I could do that. I don't need to go somewhere. Like Darren wants to go to Iceland and he likes Iceland. You know, my friend John's been to Iceland a few times and I can't say anything about it that's remotely appealing. There's nothing about it. They're not very attractive and uh, the food's not, not exciting really. Not that exciting. And so all in all, what's the point? Might as well stay here. So if I won the 57 million on the lottery, the only thing I would be doing is probably buying another car and uh, buying a bigger house. And it would be one hell of a big house. And then you make sure that friends and family are sorted out. You give to some charities and then you just carry on with your life. 
Because life is exciting. You know, you never know what's going to happen day to day to day. You probably don't know, unless you're in one of those jobs where you're so bored with it. You work in a factory and you go, oh, it's so tedious, Steve. You've got no idea. I do have an idea. I've been in that situation. But I think every job is what you make it. Every job is exciting. Every job. So when Phil Vickery goes to work, if he goes into this morning and he's cooking there, there might be some new people working behind the scenes and you play up to them. You sort of, you know, because you're thinking you're looking at me, you're watching me. On this programme, people tune in at 4am in the morning. God knows why. It's a ridiculous time. What do you think about it? Four o'clock in the morning. But I'm very grateful. And, you know, they go, why are you all so cheerful? I go, because I'm working. I'm working. How can you not be cheerful when you're working? And if you enjoy doing something, I mean, how many jobs could you keep popping out the studio to go to the loo or get a glass of water or make yourself a cup of coffee? That's what I enjoy about it. Every day is varied. Today I'm going to be talking to a guest who's going to be featured on this weekend's In Conversation. And so I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Then I'm going to go home. I'm going to pick up the car, go and collect my FedEx parcel. I mean, it's quite... A, and then tomorrow's Friday. Tomorrow's Friday. And I'm going, it's the weekend. It's the, and what have I got to do tomorrow? Nothing. Nothing. I'm actually, So that's my rest period. So when people talk about going on holiday, I think, what's the point? I've got... Today is, is practically a holiday. I get a few hours to myself... And I can make my phone calls. And then tomorrow, when I finish, I've got all day. And then I've got all day Saturday because I've decided that for, for two... Because next week I'm fairly busy, Friday, Saturday. And for the next Friday and Saturdays for the rest of the month, I'm busy. So this is my sort of rest period. And I love it. Don't get me wrong. I like the other side of it as well. And every day you get paid. You go through the newspapers and, and you read all the stories that are making... And I think to myself, my God. Today in the Daily Star, they're talking about Tarantino's eighth film. They say, anything but hateful. Bloody hell, Quentin, they've said on this one. And um, it's, this, is the, this is the blood fest. It's called The Hateful Eight. And uh, it's the tale of eight strangers stranded together um, with murder on their minds. And I'm not telling you anything else about it. You have to go and see it. it, 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 it ha- the, the producer saw it the other day. Did you like it? I can't remember if you liked it. Did do you love it? Yeah. See, he's a he, he's a Tarantino fan. Whereas I confessed, I'd I'd never seen. I've never seen Reservoir Dogs. I've never seen anything like that before. So I didn't I didn't realise what they were like. But I've now realised that most of his films they concentrate on dialogue. There'll always be the inevitable feet shots. I don't know why there are always feet shots or foot shots in Quentin's films. And there's always a lot of blood. Uh, there's always some big names. There's certain people he likes working with, and he seems to write for them. He's a fascinating fascinating man and this film uh because i'd never seen it before it runs fairly long as as films go but it's it's very cleverly crafted and you don't have to concentrate on too much apart from the dialogue so uh if you go see it and you're a tarantino fan you will not be disappointed you'll not be because it probably lives up to everybody's expectations uh amy winehouse's mum is in the papers today guess what she's just said she's reckoned that her daughter suffered from tourette's I don't think there was any evidence of Tourette's at all. I've uh, seen people on the television who suffered from Tourette's. I don't think Amy Winehouse was like that at all. She was just a drunk and a druggie, wasn't she? I don't think there was anything else. I don't, I don't remember seeing interviews where she just swore left, right and centre. Uh, the John Lewis boss who says, we can't compete with Amazon. We have to actually pay tax. And uh, Tandy Newton, I can't wait to tell you this story, which I will in the next part of the programme. The, uh, the racist statue in Starbucks. News at five, though, coming up very shortly on LBC. And uh, we'll look at those stories. Plus, uh, for perfect jeans, don't wash them. Uh, Tom and his partner dive in. I do hope they go the course. I really do, actually. Uh, winter is coming. It's got colder. 
Snow could be on the way, bit of rain and everything else. We'll tell you later on. Nobody won the lottery in case you've just woken up going, oh, have I won the lottery, Steve? No, nobody won it. Uh, Elvis's guitar is up for sale. This is a nice one. If you've got a spare, about 400,000 could be yours. I suspect it could go more. Uh, Stephen Fry on how to be British. Uh, the Monster Munch. This is one man who ate the biggest lunch I've ever seen in my entire life. And uh, spuds and aubergines on the same plant. I'm Steve Allen. It's LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Coming up four minutes past five, Thursday, the 7th of January. I trust you are well this morning. You need to wrap up. I'd wrap up and I'd probably take an umbrella because it's going to rain. It is raining a little bit here. Uh, Red wine isn't good for you after all. I've been told for years that red wine is very good for the heart. Now they're saying it's not very good for you. We're Loot and Andy. Loot and Andy. What do you think that can be? You won't believe it. But anyway, uh, we'll tell you the story in a moment. Lemmy's funeral to be streamed online. Jihadi Sid, the murdering uh, paedophile psychopath, was on benefits. Apparently £21,000 a year. Thank God that stopped. Well, I hope it stopped anyway. Nobody won the lottery and the passenger. I love this one. He put his feet on the seats. He's been fined. 50 quid. Oh, I want to see more people like that. People with feet. Get your feet off the seats. Get them off the seats, you dirty little people. Dirty, dirty people. And Tandy Newton's fury over a racist statue in Starbucks. Now, you might not think it's racist. I'm not sure whether I think it's racist or not. I can't quite make up my mind. I'll tell you about it in a, a moment. Uh, the world fury as North Korea reportedly tests the first hydrogen bomb. Did you see the woman announcing it on North Korean television? Dear God, she looked like she'd wandered into a sort of let's feed the homeless kind of advert thing. And she, and get, she gets so excited about the bomb and the hydrogen bomb. They're not sure if it is or if it isn't. Either way, man with stupid haircut, you know, complete psychopath. Um, is sort of there and presiding over a country, and he has people executed if they don't kind of look up to him. You wouldn't want to live there, would you, let's face it. Uh, Polly um, uh, bids a fond FHM farewell. We've finally seen the back of it, because lads' mags are just so dated. So dated now. So sexist, so dated. So uh, Holly Willoughby has decided uh, that she'll pose for the last one. I've got no idea why. The reason they're getting rid of it is because probably people like her, it's dated. Nobody cares about it anymore. Sales must have slipped off. I think there were quite a few of those. Loaded magazine was another one. And it just showed sort of girls in various states of undress. That's what I thought it was. I don't know. I never bought FHM. We used to get it in the office because it was was delivered here anyway. But I I never actually bought it. I was always intrigued by what sort of person would buy it. I was, I was never quite sure whether or not it was just sort of some sort of pervy sort of magazine, sort of meant to go poor, a bit like the Pirelli calendar, that kind of thing, which is sort of, you know, women who've been sprayed with oil to make it look as though their bodies are glistening. And then you see them away from the picture and you think you don't bear any resemblance to that person at all, do you? And that's, that's why it was always so interesting. Photographs can make people look stunning. As anybody will tell you in this business, I mean, the amount of times I've been airbrushed in my career, I could count on about ten hands, because uh, it's the only way you make yourself look better. The first thing you say to somebody, if ever people say, can I take a picture? I go, yeah, make me look thin. Shoot me from the neck up. For God's sake, don't do neck downwards, please. Uh, Winston McKenzie could be boosted out of Big Brother. Ofcom are looking. They've got about 160-odd complaints about his homophobia. You know, we don't need that kind of thing. The man's an idiot. 
He's a pathetic waste of space. He's achieved nothing in his life so far. And, uh, and hopefully he'll disappear after this one. I don't want that kind of person on my television, thank you. I really don't. I, I'm absolutely shocked that Nancy Delusional, who seems to have a lot of those sort of friends, uh, would even bother entertaining talking to him. But then again, she's quite desperate to talk to just about anybody. Uh, the other one was uh, Prince George heading off to his nursery school. They always make a big deal about it, but it's just little boy goes to school with a load of photographers and mummy and daddy, and it's a photo opportunity. And, uh, and that's, that's about it, really. Uh, and also that, uh, that hilarious wedding where the, the groom gave both the bridesmaids black eyes. I mean, they're just drunks. They're just drunks. It was sort of it was the it was the the wedding, and then apparently the um, the the bride went. Why does it all happen to me? And apparently this has happened before. There's always disasters surrounding her. But you look at the bridesmaids. Uh, bridesmaid number one, uh, Rachel Walsh, was the first to be punched. Then Samantha Dewar was knocked unconscious. I mean, you, you couldn't make it up, really, could you? I've never been to a wedding like that. Most of mine are fairly sedate. You just go there and they go, would you take, yeah, and this person, yeah, and champagne, yeah, stomach to eat, yeah, thank you, going home. That's how it works, isn't it? Roughly the same for funerals. But uh, but the venue was a Masonic Hall, and there's a picture of the happy couple. He looks slightly peculiar, but there again, he was drunk, and uh, he was going to drive as well. And so Rachel, I think, is the one... Uh, who actually said there was a great art party atmosphere, plenty of food, the food, uh, the drink was flowing, and a karaoke for entertainment. Oh, God in heaven. Your worst nightmare, isn't it? Oh, so what What we got for the entertainment? What we, what we got? Karaoke? I love karaoke. I can't believe it. You know, first I was afraid, I was petrified. You know, and so it goes on. Nobody wants to go to a wedding reception where there's karaoke. I mean, that really, that's Chavsville. That is Chavsville. Anyway, it turned nasty... Uh, in the car park at 1am, the wedding couple staggered out with a group of close relatives and friends. Uh, Rachel says John had no money to get home and he got into the driver's seat of someone's car. He was drunk, so I offered him £20 not to drive. It's a real class event, this one. And take a taxi. I said, give me the keys, and we were pushing and shoving each other. Bride Nicola ran over to try and get in the middle of the squabbling, but Campbell then punched Rachel in the eye and she punched him back. It's class, isn't it? I mean, you couldn't make this up. This is like some film. Rachel said he was in a rage and wanted to hit me more, but Nicky was there. I staggered back and turned around to be sick. <laughs> the other bridesmaid, Samantha Dewey, came over and I told her John had hit me. She then started running after him, asking what he'd done that for. He calmly walked towards her and punched her. She fell down and she was out cold for two minutes. Shop assistant Rachel said there were cries and shouts from the guests and Nicola was sitting down on the ground in her wedding dress, screaming and screaming. She was saying, my whole wedding's been ruined. Why does it always have to be me? John threw his wedding ring at her and walked off into the night. Nicky was hysterical on the floor. I mean, I was doubled up in laughter by this time. This was the funniest wedding you've ever seen. All it needed was for people to start throwing cake at each other. That would have made it perfect, wouldn't it? Staff at the Masonic Hall called the police. Uh, Campbell appeared in court on Tuesday and admitted inflicting grievous bodily harm. Magistrates were told he'd launched an unprovoked attack at the wedding reception. Samantha had been excited about being bridesmaid for her best friend Nicola, but they're, they're no longer on speaking terms. Yeah, result. After the court hearing, Mumma too, Samantha says, we've been best friends since school and I helped her get ready for the wedding. I can't believe what's happened. I've lost my best friend. Campbell was arrested the morning after the wedding and so he's got to go back in... Um, um, to uh, to find out what, what the sentencing is. Apparently, they met two years ago online. 
yesterday refused to comment outside their Macclesfield home where he lives with Nicola. <laughs> what a pathetic waste of space he is. What a pathetic waste of space. Hanging? What do you reckon, ladies and gentlemen? The stocks? I'm trying to think what would be a suitable punishment. So the, 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 the bride has lost her best friend from school. Uh, he's probably going to spend time in prison. Hilarious, isn't it? What a great start to married life. I love people like that. It's funny, isn't it? It's like, it's like a real-life Jeremy Kyle show. And I do derive, I'm sorry to say, I do derive great pleasure through watching people's misery on the Jeremy Kyle show. Is this your father? Well, he said he was. But how do you know? I've come to take a lie detector test. And they're all from up north. Nobody's from down south. You never hear anybody going, uh, so I got out of bed. Uh, it's currently staying in a lodge in uh, Windsor Great Park. You don't get any of those sort of people at all. It's totally down market. It is totally, it's the Blackpool set. That's what it is. It's the Blackpool set and people who live north of Watford Gap. You never get anybody who says, and so where, 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 where'd you come from? I live in uh, Richmond in Surrey. And I wanted to find out if my wife, uh, called Betty Boo, uh, was actually having a bit of a fling with the gardener. So um, we brought him here today. His name's Suggs. And we're going to sort of do a lie detector test. It's going to be terrible, you know, because otherwise we're going to be drummed out of the brownies on this one. You never see anybody like that. It's always, uh, why, are you my father? I don't, you, did you sleep with my mother? who was your next-door neighbour at the time because you were married to somebody else. And is this my sister? No, this is my girlfriend. Oh, I'm gay, yes. And then you get the father going, oh, I don't want anything to do with it if you get... And so it goes on. It is. It's like a giant soap opera that's gone, that's gone horribly wrong. But we are fascinated by it, aren't we? We are absolutely fascinated. Uh, what have we got here? Oh, this is the stupid uh, Winston, the ex-boxer Winston McKenzie. What a waste of space. What a stupid, stupid ignoramus. What a stupid, stupid man. Um, da, 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 da. Korea despot tests the H-bomb. On his head, by the look of it, this is Kim Jong-un. A really, really attractive person. I say that tongue-in-cheek. Lady Gaga has found love. Isn't that great? She's found love at last. She's seven, she says, I never thought I'd meet a man as strong as my father, but then this brave lion came into my world. Oh, nice, isn't it? And he's called uh, Taylor. So he's, you know, he's obviously set his sights quite high. What was it about the multi-millionaires, Lady Gaga, that first attracted you? An Asda boss and an ex-government advisor is facing jail after he transferred £180,000 from the firm's flood victim charity into his partner, his boyfriend's ballet company. This is Paul Kelly, ex-vice president of corporate affairs at Asda, claimed the money was to help flood-hit communities, but the cash went into David Murley's dance school. Kelly, Paul Kelly, was also the chairman of Asda's Charitable Foundation and a government advisor on food policy and obesity before the scandal erupted. Mr Murley has performed with Madonna, the Royal Opera and English National Opera. Mr Kelly left Asda just days before he was due to sit on a panel with Yvette Cooper. He lives in an £800,000 London home um, and pleaded guilty to seven charges. He'll be sentenced next month. Asda, of course, have since paid the money back. They're deeply embarrassed by it. But uh, you can never tell whether or not somebody within your midst is going to be the thief, can you? But in the case of uh, that, they've sorted it out and uh, nobody misses out on the money. So that's extremely good news. Bad news for him, I should imagine. Uh, also, Jihadi John was Lee Rigby Killer's mentor. There's so many of these mentally sick people, aren't there, out there. The trouble is, I don't think they are mentally sick. That's the easiest way to describe it, isn't it? They're obviously mentally ill, they've got a few screws loose. I don't think they are. I think they're just, they're just psychopathic killers. They're just, they're just those sort of people. 
you know, we have to, luckily, we sort of find them now and we deal with them, or they blow themselves up, which is the preferred option, as far as I'm concerned. And so you've got the latest one over there who's, uh, you know, having despised the West so much, he was more than happy to take the old handouts, wasn't he? The old golden shilling, bend over and take that one, matey. And so he did. He did. Uh, there's also a, a crazed man attacking passengers and crew on a BA flight before yelling, I've got a bomb and you're all going to die. Turned out he didn't have a bomb and nobody did die, but uh, it's in every single paper this morning. Holly Willoughby, um, she really has got the biggest hips you've ever seen, hasn't she, really? My goodness me. And uh, it's all over for the lads' mags. And so, mum of three, host of uh, names who posed to the mag over 31 years. She says, we've grown up together, but with a heavy heart, it's time to bid a fond farewell. It's not a heavy heart at all. I don't think anybody was buying it, were they? Why? I mean, presumably people are buying FHM magazine because we didn't have the internet. The moment people get the internet, you can get stuff like that all over the place. Quarter past five. Next back with you this morning at seven. A sex offender has been banned from making friends with women unless he tells the police. If he's that dangerous, why is he being released? In an exclusive LBC poll, we find out how worried Londoners are about a Paris-style attack. And Nick reveals who's winning the race to be London's next mayor. Labour's Sadiq Khan or the Tories' Zach Goldsmith. Nick Ferrari this morning at seven. After the morning news with Lisa Aziz, Quentin Letts is looking at the papers today. Columnist for the Daily Mail and an author. His latest book is called The Speaker's Wife. I think we know what that's about. I think we know what that's uh, about. Uh, Roger is a, a journalist. He's based in Trinidad. I was talking about the weather and I said, did somebody mention snow? And he said, uh, hmm? I'm surprised. It's been rather warm so far. It's turning. It's definitely turning, you know, definitely, definitely, definitely turning. Uh, 84850, uk, And uh, uh, another one here says, um, oh, no, wait a minute, I'm trying to find, trying to find something. Somebody else talking about, you know, it being freezing outside at the moment. And uh, and it's Paul who says, will you stop it with the water? I need to go and get a glass of it. I'll just, I'm on about my fifth glass of water this morning. doesn't seem very exciting to many of you, I realise. But, you know, for, for somebody like me, cold water, you're not supposed to drink cold water. All the experts say, no, it should be, te- it should be room temperature. Who the heck wants that? Who the heck wants that? Uh, Brian in Bangkok says, uh, I've never been to a wedding without seeing a fight. What's the point of going? Well, I mean, I, I do share your enthusiasm for it. I have to be honest, I think it's a certain sort of person who goes to a wedding, gets very drunk and then starts a fight. I do think, I do think that that's what it comes down to. I don't, I don't think it's anything else at all. And uh, Junior says, you make a difficult job seem easy. I'm a member of the 4AM Spikers. We like 4AM Spikers. How come George Best had his funeral live on television, says Mark? Uh, because he was famous. He was famous. If you if you achieve a certain notoriety, then they'll they'll cover your funeral. So in the same way that Lemmy is going to have his funeral covered live on uh, Motorhead's YouTube site, uh, lots of other people get it covered. Lots of other people get their funerals covered. If you're somebody famous, if you're a famous sportsman or something, it'll always be a little bit, a little bit on the news. But George Best, I suppose, because he was iconic. The fact that he was a he was a drunk, and people kept giving him drink didn't really help. He couldn't help himself, and nobody seemed to want to help him out of it, even though he'd had the best, the best advice that there was. Great shame, great shame. And uh, according to a report on the news yesterday, parents can't get kids off iPads. So, underage drinkers, I'm surprised it's an issue, says Sharon. Uh, and what in God's name is a board game cafe? Oh, surely you're not that naive. Surely you've heard of it. These have been around for years. You go there and you play board games. 
they have lots of board games. Like some cafes, they have newspapers. Uh, in some of these board game cafes, they have a board game. So you can go in there and have a, have a game of snakes and ladders or have a game of chess or you can have a game of just about whatever you want, I think. I think they do the whole set of them. They do uh, Cluedo, they do, they do Monopoly, they do loads and loads of stuff. Loads and loads of stuff. Um, there's also, we do like Penman Investigates, from the fishy to the fraudulent. I love stuff like this. This, this I really like as well. And um, they've got a, they're, today they're, they're concentrating on a number of uh, people, including a model firm, Casting the Net for Suckers. Uh, this one is called Stomp Models. And you have to be very careful. If somebody... Um, takes you on as a model. They never charge you anything. If an agency is going to charge you for photographs and anything else, you avoid them like the plague. Okay, Stomp Models is in no way connected to any other company that sounds similar. It was established by Daniel Rolfe. It's a since earned a reputation of one of the UK's most highly respected casting companies, uh, they say that. Nobody else has got any evidence of anything at all. They can't uh, prove their grand claims of work for clients at all. Uh, no reply from the uh, from the boss of it at all. Uh, the website names broadcasting including the BBC and Channel 4, but again, they can't give details because um, Penman Investigating uh, reckons that they don't actually have any. They've got no address, no phone number and ignore emails. So uh, be warned. They did actually request, um, you know, snapshots and everything else. And they got nothing at all. And as I said before, and I'll point it out again to you, do not ever, 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 and especially with companies like this, you do not have to, if it's a reputable model agency or a casting agency, they do not charge fees to join or fees for portfolios. Okay, if they think you've got the talent, they will take your photographs and do everything else. That's how they operate. You never have to pay for it unless it's going in a, in a, a casting book like Spotlight in which case you have to uh, to pay for it, but your agent will tell you that. But these, these fly-by-night companies are there for suckers. People who go, oh, right, I can be a model. And they go, yeah, of course you can, darling. You've absolutely got the looks. Just pay us this amount of money. We'll have some photos taken, this amount of money. And uh, we'll put you on the books and then uh, we'll see what happens, shall we? Because we've got people onto loads of things. And you go, well, can you prove that? And, of course, they can't. So avoid, avoid, please, like the plague. But <clears throat> it's so much easier. You don't really want to be ripped off, do you? You don't want to start the year by going... There used to be somebody years ago, they'd say, want to get into the world of voiceovers. There used to be an advert that used to run. Want to get into voiceovers? Call this premium rate number. And so they were doing it on a premium rate number, which cost you about God knows how much. And uh, and I remember saying at the time, I've said, listen, uh, people who are casting for voiceovers go to voiceover agencies and they're mainly looking for actors. They're not looking for people off the streets unless you've got a really, really unusual voice. And uh, even then you go through a proper agency. You don't certainly don't do it at a premium rate number. That would be just that would be just ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. So be warned. There's people out there willing to part you from your money. Nadia in a race hate cop alert. This is the great British Bake Off winner. Nadia Hussein has had police checking on her after threats by racist thugs. She was hounded on Twitter by anti-Islamic yobs. Good Lord, I mean, this is just absolutely ludicrous. Have you ever heard anything like it? Uh, who've targeted her because of her faith. Cops had to visit the Leeds home she shares with her husband and three children. And um, she came on to Loose Women yesterday. Ruth Langsford said, It's almost like you became a poster girl for being British and being a Muslim. And it became quite nasty. Nadia says she had feared she was putting the kids in danger. I'm a celeb winner, Vicky Patterson, also a guest, says, Is it true you had to have a police presence? Because she's really good with the questions. Uh, Nadia, who's since moved to Milton Keynes, confirmed she did. She said it was scary, but my kids uh, like it. They were like, ooh, policeman. 
which is very exciting. But uh, something not so exciting. And this is uh, Martin Pick. Uh, Martin Pick uh, is in a wheelchair. And he was pushed around by his, his son Declan. So uh, Declan and Martin, uh, one pushing the father around in a wheelchair. A little bit like, you know, what that one? What that one? Andy. Very similar to Lou and Andy in Little Britain. Unfortunately, they were just a pair of crooks. They were out there robbing. And uh, like Faker Andy, he jumped up, he was pushed in and fired an imitation gun while demanding cash. He dropped £2,000 outside as the postmaster wrestled with him. They come from Weatherby in West Yorkshire. They were convicted of the March robbery in Boston Spa. Declan will be sentenced tomorrow. The father's got 18 years. Yes, result. I love it. They think they're so clever, don't they? They think they're so clever. It's like there was a motorcycle gang who raided a shop the other day, smashing windows, and they stole £500,000 worth of jewellery. All very clever, you think. They threatened passers-by. They stood there on their little mopeds and everything else, waiting to do the big getaway. They had pickaxes and axes and everything else. Unfortunately, and here's where they're going to be caught by the weekend, they've already arrested one person. They were caught at the scene. And uh, once you've got one... You get the other ones. They sing like canaries, ladies and gentlemen. There is no honour among thieves because all they'll do is just say to them, listen, why would you want to take the rap for everybody? Because that's what will happen to you. And uh, so they sing like a canary. In fact, even as we speak, ladies and gentlemen, the police will be compiling a report on exactly who the other people in the gang were. So uh, looking forward to seeing you in court, boys. Should be interesting, shouldn't it? Or girls. But I suspect probably boys as well. Uh, Brian says... Uh, oh, so we've just done that one. I do beg your pardon. Um... Another one here. Somebody said, I did actually try the, the Vic Vapor Rub on my feet and I didn't cough all night. So, you see, it might work. It might not work. It could be the placebo effect. I, I really don't know, actually. I really don't know. And uh, Kath in Green Street says, uh, I've never been to a wedding without a fight. And, uh, and somebody says, uh, keep it real. Somebody else says, you've not been for a high tea for ages. It is true, actually. It is true. My friend Michael and uh, I and Chris, we generally go off for our high tea. We're going to do it this year. We're going to get back into the routine of going out. And also, I've got uh, some teas to go to because, of course, people who bid for make some noise. So we've got those to look to look forward to, which I'm very much looking forward to. And I think we've got some people coming in for breakfast and, and everything else. So it's going to be... I'm going to be as big as, big as Gemma Collins if I'm not careful. Got to be very careful. Theresa says, if I were to win the lottery, I would still listen to you from four o'clock. Couldn't stop laughing, especially the repeat of the, the balmy wedding. Now wide awake, kettle on and it's pouring with rain. Mark in Putney says, I've just had to turn my fan heater off because I was feverish and uncomfortable. The weather's not turning. It's definitely got colder. It's definitely got much, much colder out there. You can, you can notice. I noticed yesterday afternoon the temperature did drop. I went, blimey, it is, a, it is a little bit chilly. More from the uh, papers very, very shortly, including dozens of commuters left in a heap at, um, at the bottom of an out-of-order escalator. They start walking up it, and all of a sudden, a thing comes to life. So, of course, you've thrown off balance. And down they all went, all 40 of them. It's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to 6, Thursday morning. Come on, wakey-wakey. Rise and shine. Try and sort of pull you... It's not easy, is it? It's not easy. Two good stories. Do you remember the story that I brought you the other day of uh, a mother who takes her girl into a McDonald's and they, uh, they go to the toilet. The little girl goes in there, only to discover that somebody has put superglue on the seat. And so the little girl is stuck. So when she pulls herself off it, uh, skin has been torn off her legs and bottom in this restaurant in Exeter. And I said, 
the people who perpetrated the crime... The mother said there were two girls seen laughing coming out of the toilet. It's unusual when you walk out of a toilet to be laughing. Anyway, um, they've been found, as I predicted they would be, because McDonald's have CCTV. They have CCTV all over their premises, uh, quite clearly, uh, for people like this. And so these two teenage girls have been identified, which is fantastic news. Um... The police are treating the case as an assault. I mean, it could have been really serious. It's bad enough for a little girl to sit on a toilet without being glued onto it. Thank you very much indeed. So now they've been named and shamed in a backlash on social media. You know, and it won't be too long before you see their names in the newspapers because people like this need to be identified. They're quite clearly simpletons. They have to be identified and they have to be stopped from doing it. And so you have to find a punishment that fits the crime. You know, they probably think they're very clever. We've all seen people hanging around outside these sort of places and you look at the thing. You'd have to be really dumb to do something like that, wouldn't you? Definitely. And, and somebody else, somebody else we found as well. I'm delighted on this one, except it, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's sort of got, it's gone a bit wrong in the middle. And this is a passenger called uh, Trin Kyong. Uh, Trin Kyong uh, was uh, hauled into court the other day. He's, uh, what does he do? He's, um... He's, um, he's a Vietnamese manicurist, so you know he works in one of those nail bars. But that doesn't, that doesn't make any difference. What he does for a living is totally immaterial to this. He had his feet on the train seat. He had his feet on the train seat. A complete and utter idiot. And you know we see this on a regular basis. And even though the, they put up messages, the guard goes, please remove your feet from the seats. Dirty people these are. Dirty common people. And uh, he was fined £50, and he's going to be prosecuted. Uh, it's a 127-year-old act. It makes it an offence to interfere with the comfort of others. And putting your feet on the seat is for dirty people. Dirty, scrubby people. And he was hauled into court over it. He was fi- He pleaded guilty. Of course he would be. They've got it on, on CCTV. Got them on the trains and they go, get your feet off the seat. Told you about it. So he got fined 50 quid. He comes from uh, Ringwood. He was caught with his feet up on a Mersey rail train in Liverpool. He said, I was trying to be comfortable. Well, don't travel on a train then. Go and get a taxi or something like that, you know, and you try putting your feet up on their seats, they won't like it either. He said, suddenly some officials said I shouldn't have my feet on the seat. I had to give him my details. The next I knew about it was when a letter was sent to my boss saying I had to go to court. So he made two court appearances, which must have cost several hundred pounds, before he was fined 50 quid by JPs in Bournemouth this week. Somebody from the Taxpayers Alliance says uh, this is bonkers and a waste of taxpayers' cash. I don't think so. I don't think it's a waste of taxpayers' cash at all. I think it's absolutely right. This person should have been fined £1,000. I'm sick to death of seeing dirty... The Taxpayers' Alliance. A bonkers thing and a waste of taxpayers' cash. Well, I tell you what, let's have them come round and break into your place and put their feet up on the settee. Wouldn't like it, would you? It's not nice. I don't want to sit next to somebody. It's like people who sit there with their, their music playing loudly. Oi, turn it off! Try and remember there's other people here. It's not just about you, thank you very much indeed. So, no, I think £1,000 fine would have been better. 50 quid wasn't, uh, wasn't enough. Katie Epsom says, as I had to trek north to Peterborough yesterday, I had to learn a new skill. I downloaded the LBC app and there you were. A ray of light in the darkness. Love it. I love it. Yes, we are a ray of light in the darkness, which is, uh, which is good. And um, another one here. Uh, Kath says... Uh, she says here, I mean, she, she's quite clearly a bit, a bit deluded, I'm afraid, because she says, not a good wedding, wedding unless it all finishes up in a fight. And then she writes another one saying, get the message right, you could get me into a row. What? No, that would put you out of your misery. It's easier that way, isn't it? No point in trying to discuss that with somebody who can't remember what they've written nowadays. But that's the trouble, you see. I get the people in the aftermath of, uh, of medicine handout in the homes. Uh, I've never been to a wedding uh, with a fight. No, I have to be honest. I've never been to one myself, actually. 
But, uh, quite common in certain situations, I believe. I should imagine the, uh, the, the people who are running the venue are going, oh, not another, not another one of those, those dreadful weddings. Uh, also, uh, here they go, the Beckham family out. Um, they think it was a group getaway. And uh, this is uh, Gordon Ramsay and David Beckham. And there's also some other people there. Holly Ramsey, Megan Ramsey, Tanner Ramsey and Victoria Beckham. So I need to see Victoria wearing the obligatory hat. And then they've got Jack Ramsey, Romeo Beckham, Brooklyn Beckham and Harper Beckham. That's lovely, isn't it? And then Cruz and Matilda Ramsey. So it's the, the Beckhams with all their children and the Ramseys with all their children going on holiday, which is what they do. Luckily, you, you don't have to put up with the families because they're way to the back. Victoria wearing her trademark hat, but no sunglasses. Obviously, the first time she's been, I'm surprised she's allowed them to, uh, to photograph her, actually, without sunglasses. Because, generally speaking, it sort of masks her... Uh, are really so you, the eyes are the, are the are the sort of the entry to the soul, aren't they? And because she doesn't actually look that great uh, with her eyes, because now she's got to that stage where she's she's getting on a little bit. She's no no spring chicken anymore. We're heading into the into the forties. Not so good. Not so good. Uh, according to the Daily Mail today, uh, pupils are now going to face a timetable shake-up to accommodate fasting Muslims. Sit the exams early to fit in with Ramadan. Hundreds of thousands of uh, teenagers will have to take key exams earlier than usual to help Muslim pupils fasting for Ramadan. The GCSE and A-level schedule has been rearranged so that some exams in key subjects are clustered before the start of the Islamic holy month. Where maths and English tests do fall during the festival, a larger number than usual are being held in the morning. That's to avoid disadvantaging fasting pupils who can suffer low energy levels in the afternoon. Well, surely that must have been going on for years. First year I've ever mentioned it on the programme. But uh, I'm assuming they must have sort of perhaps perhaps they're doing it at different times now. Because they've never mentioned it before. Why would they want to mention that now? All of a sudden, they sort of mention it like it's just come around. It was terrible. Uh, Martin in Rotherhithe says about the girls in the superglue, horrible people. Yes, they were. But of course, I mean, they're so dumb. That's why you, you, you sort of think to yourself, they're not the brightest pennies in the box. They must have realised that McDonald's have CCTV cameras. Towns have CCTV cameras. Everybody's got CCTV cameras. I told you before, we have 16 at home. 16 cameras recording permanently. In case anything happened. Oh, absolutely. Oh, God, you've got to protect yourself on your property. It was like I was telling you about the shop in Twickenham, where we had the trouble with the wheelie bin, where the uh, the bloke working in there just walked off with it. Yesterday, he was seen spitting outside the shop. Not exactly the uh, the best bit of news. But anyway, now the shopkeeper, Man Meets Singh, uh, has been found guilty of scooping a 30... What I don't scoop... I've never even heard of the word scooping before, apart from ice cream. A 13-year-old boy's groin in Twickenham in this off-licence bubbles and so he could go to prison for a year because it was caught on CCTV. Up until then he was pleading not guilty. It wasn't until they showed him the things that he changed his plea to guilty. They reckon it could be a year and also could face losing the liquor licence for bubbles. It's one of these places that stays open quite a long time because uh, they've served underage people. It's quite a common thing nowadays. I don't think it's as unusual as we think it is. And you get somebody who goes in there and they're buying booze and fags for their friends outside. It's only because they look the oldest and these people know they're underage. They know they're underage and they continue to serve them. And so then it's up to the licensing to decide whether or not they take away the licence for that particular shop. To be honest with you, I mean, you, you couldn't go into 
any of the big supermarkets and buy booze if you're underage, but some of these corner shops will sell to people. Uh, meet TV's best exotic golden oldies. I don't know if you ever heard our interviews with uh, some of the stars of the uh, best exotic Marigold Hotel, which I thought was a super film, but they've recreated it again. And um, it's not the first TV show to do this, but this is following the fortunes of a group of ageing expatriates. Uh, the idea is to put all these people together and decide whether or not they, they could actually have a retirement. So they've come together with a group of people. And the people that they put together are Miriam Margulies, 74, funniest lady around, seriously, does a f- an excellent one-woman show. Uh, former Doctor Who's Sylvester McCoy. Wayne Sleep, oh, sorry, he's 72. Uh, Wayne Sleep is 67. Patty Boulay is 61, so she's a relative child. Uh, comedian Roy Walker is 74. TV chef Rosemary Schrager, 64, at least, probably just around the waist. Uh, Ex-news reader Jan Leeming, 74. And uh, Bobby George. God, that's the one dripping in that cheap jewellery. looks horrible. And so they're going to set up home in India. Uh, They spent three weeks in September living together in a private mansion in Jaipur. And they had to sort of, they had to learn Hindi. They tried elephant riding, yoga and stuff like that. It's quite a new premise, actually. Jan Leeming, mad as a barrel load of frogs, I'm afraid. Miriam Margulies, quite mad, but utterly delightful and beautiful. Bobby George, just just one of life's little irritants. Rosemary Schrager, they used to put her on the Alan Titchmarsh show all the time. And uh, I was never a fan, actually, then. Uh, Roy Walker... 74, it's impossible. But as I say, Patty Boulay is a child in this one, and Sylvester McCoy. But it's nice to see people growing old disgracefully. I quite like the idea of growing old disgracefully and being like a Victor Meldrew character. But at the same time, keeping your brain very, very active. Still to come, uh, the actress Tandy Newton's fury over a racist statue. But is it a racist statue? You'll have to make up your own mind on this one. Uh, she obviously thought it, it was. And uh, and Starbucks are now investigating how it ever came to be in there in the first place. But I'm assuming whatever goes into a Starbucks store doesn't have to be approved by. So don't they have managers that go round and uh, supersede and say, oh, you know, what are you doing here? Okay, this is what you do. You've got to follow policy. I'm assuming that's how it works. When you hear about this, you might you might change your mind. You might not be, you know, familiar with how these people operate. But she saw it and she was horrified. Absolutely horrified. So we'll tell you about that in a moment. It's now quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's uh, 11 minutes to six. Doesn't make any difference, does it? You're going to work at the same time every day. Although every day I see people running. People get off the train at Waterloo. (sighs) Trying to get to the barriers before everybody else. I don't know why. Well, I mean, are they late? Why didn't they get an earlier train? But uh, I, have, I always enjoy getting on the train. I find the train a fascinating, fascinating experience. It was lovely when all, whenever he was on holiday over Christmas. Everything was empty. It was quite delightful. And you could sit there, you could have a whole train to yourself. I could practically go and drive the thing. Now, of course, it's packed going in and out. And I, my trick is, always find the carriage, which has got the, uh, the seat which is separate for everybody else because they use it for wheelchair uh, people. But, of course... Most of the time, there's not a wheelchair on the train, so you're fine with it. And so you can always sit there and people stand around you. And, of course, gone are the days of you sharing your seat with, with somebody. If somebody's standing in front of you, you tend not to look at them. You just look at the floor, but at least you get a seat for the whole journey. That's always good fun. Ian says, I listen every morning to your sh- show. Pardon me, you're ruthless. I love it. And, and Julie reckons children never fast during Ramadan. So whoever changed the exam dates hasn't done their research. Really? Oh, you told me something I, I don't know there. I don't know. And um, Hugh, he says, I've had the cough. I bought Vic. 
Rubbed on the feet and the chest. Also got the fig rolls, three for a pound, and it works. What, the fig rolls or the or the Vic? Trust you to try the Vic, honestly. Everybody, I mean, I was going to try it the other day, actually. I was going to try it the other, the other day, but I didn't, I didn't quite get round to it. Mainly because I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of the, the smell of menthol. I really, I, I, I don't quite like it, actually. Uh, and Nadia says, I've just started re-listening to the Steve Allen show on LBC. Oh, how I've missed you. I know, it makes other radio programmes seem fairly tame, doesn't it, actually? And uh, loads of people say, will you please stop with the water thing? It's driving us mad. Good. That's the way we like it, as long as it keeps you listening. So here is Tandy Newton's story. Uh, Tandy Newton has accused Starbucks of racism. I mean, it's a very easy word to bandy around, isn't it? Very easy word to bandy around. After she was offended by a coffee bean display in one of their shops. Okay, so here is it. You'll see this picture in in a number of the papers today. A figurine of a black boy wearing a loincloth and a pith helmet whilst carrying a bowl of coffee beans was displayed on the counter at one of its branches believed to be in London. And the sign says Colombian, whatever they call it. So it's obviously Colombian beans. Uh, Tandy Newton says, seriously, at Starbucks, at the counter, loincloth and safari hat on a black child. Happy New Year, circa 19th century. Now, see, this is where I'm in. I'm not sure. I've looked at it. This looks like something that's old. And it looks like one of these little old things from years ago. And it would have been, I mean, I don't know what she was expecting. I mean, I always thought it was women who picked coffee beans, but that's just me. I mean, I, you know, and anyway, so I, I don't know. So they've got this picture of the little boy with a pith helmet on and he's holding out this tray. Now, it's quite obviously an old piece of old piece of I was going to say um, it's obviously something that's worth a bit of money because you don't see these things very often. And it was a new coffee bean from Colombia. Opinion was split over whether the statue could be seen as offensive because of connotations of child slavery. See, I just saw it as a kid who was holding a pot of beans. Perhaps people see different things. Obviously, everybody sees something different. I probably see myself as fat most of the time, but it doesn't matter. Many branded, branded it racist and offensive, but others claimed they couldn't see why it was inappropriate. A staff member had taken the figurine into the store. It was displayed for several hours uh, before being removed following Miss Newton's social uh, media post to her 24,000 followers. Starbucks were quick to apologise and promised to launch an investigation. Uh, the firm says, as we became aware of the offence, we immediately removed the figure from our stores. They declined to comment on whether the investigation would come to a close or whether any, di- any disciplinary action would be taken. It's just somebody holding a tray with coffee beans in it. I can't, I can't quite see what she's getting at. I don't know. I mean, would he been, have been one of the people who, who, who sort of picked the beans? I didn't quite see the slavery connection at all. I didn't, um, you know, I, I just I just don't quite get it. It's like everybody... I mean, have you noticed all the big companies out? The first thing you've got to do is apologise. Because somebody somewhere is going to be offended. So, I mean, I think you're probably going to be divided on this one later on today. I bet you anything, by the time you've heard this, by the time it gets around to Ian Dale, you're going to be very divided over whether this is actual racism or whether it's just somebody who works in the store who probably doesn't even see racism. Because most of the people in Starbucks are from Poland. Oh, God, is that racist? God, is that racist? They are in our one anyway. And in most... I don't think I've been in a Starbucks where they don't have uh, East Europeans, Polish people in there. I've not seen any Romanians. I've seen Polish people, people from Latvia and things like that. You don't, see, you don't find any British people, not in any of the ones I've ever been in. And I'm an account customer. So I've, and I've never seen that. And all the girls know me and they remember what I have to drink. Every one of them, except one who's a little bit vacant and out to lunch. But uh, you'll be talking about this later on today on LBC and you'll be working out whether or not you think she was right uh, or whether or not um, it was just a storm in a teacup.
Who knows? Uh, campaigners also backed the actress with show racism the red card, saying such crude caricatures have clear historical connections uh, with slavery and its potential to cause offence is undeniable. Miss Newton was raised in Penzance in Cornwall and has talked about uh, racism. In fact, in 2014, she talked about it and said when she was starting out, film bosses told her not to be too black. Which is, you know, I mean, how dumb is that? How dumb is that? Can you not be too black? You possibly can sort of lighten up a little bit. In America, they do make creams to lighten people's skin, believe it or not. But uh, this statue, obviously somebody said, listen, I've got something at home that I could bring in and I could just put in the shop. It's somebody thinking out of the box, but obviously without thinking about somebody who's, uh, who's sort of fairly good at complaining about things. And so that's why. We'll wait and see what happens with it. I'm, I'm dying to hear Dying to hear what, what you all think about it over the course of the day. By tomorrow morning, it could be quite interesting. Uh, Noreen says it certainly turned colder yesterday. Please don't let us have snow. We don't want snow, do we? I watched a really lovely, gentle programme on television. You make me feel like dancing. It was on on Tuesday and again tonight. 9pm. Worth a watch. A gentle programme. Good Lord, we haven't had a gentle programme for ages, have we? We, d- we don't do gentle programmes in this country. I agree with you. 100% disgusting feet on seats. £100. To deter these uncouth people with no manners. Oh, it's all sorts of people, Yvonne. I, I, I've taken pictures and put them up on Twitter. I've got, um, I've got businessmen. Seriously, businessmen. Very smart dressing, getting off at Twickenham. And his feet are on the seats. You think, get them off the seats. You're walking along through puddles and dirt and you put it on the seats. Stupid man. I'd have instant fines. Sorry, you're going nowhere. It's like the people who, who get on the, the train going to Reading and they go and sit in first class. But, of course, and the guard keeps saying... Uh, if you do not have a valid ticket to travel in first class, you shouldn't be sitting there in the blue carriage because it's got blue seats and everything else. It's quite nice. It's very posh. You can do it on local routes, but not on the long distance like Reading. Still, they sit in there. Students from the local college sit in there, and mainly because they know that nobody's going to be checking the ticket. You see, I would want to go in there, lock both doors and go, right, and see your tickets. That's a £150 fine for you. You're in a second class. It's a second class ticket. This is first class. What is it about the number one you can't read on the window? But they, they just totally ignore it. Rude people. Offensive people. What do you mean? Stand on a train where there's empty seats in first class? Eh, absolutely. Should be a special key, shouldn't there? When you buy a ticket, you can use your ticket to open the door. That's what they should introduce. Because otherwise, these peasants who sit in there... Dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Uh, and um, <clears throat> who are the Taxpayers Alliance, says Philip? They seem to have an opinion on most things, so I never voted for them to speak on my behalf. I've got no idea who they are either. But they seem to... So they, they sort of like rent a quote, aren't they? It's like either that or you phone up Sharmi Chakrabarti. Luckily, we don't be phoning her any time soon. Uh, the Mail have done a very old story. It's uh, Basil's back bashing a police car. And, as I say, this ad's been out for ages. And only now have they got round to it. I don't quite get it. I don't quite get it. It's a very funny advert. I watched it yesterday. And, as you know, we walked through. I interviewed John Cleese uh, last year now. And as we walked through the office, everybody turned around to look because he's so tall. He's about six foot seven. And we had a really good interview. And as he walked back, I put my arm over him as much as I could reach. And I said to everybody in a loud voice, it's only John Cleese, you know. It's only John Cleese. And they all laughed. He laughed too. It was a lovely interview. Really lovely interview. Uh, what else we got? The generation of sad and lonely children, ladies. There is one woman. She's asked for, um, for friends for her son. Her other son uh, committed suicide uh, because he was lonely. And I don't think anybody should be lonely. He was bullied at school. And, of course, you know, if, if you're lonely and you get bullied, what do you do? 
What do you do? Nobody wants to talk to you. It's very difficult. Little children don't understand bullying. They just know it makes them very sad. And so now we've got a a generation, which I think could trigger a plague of low self-esteem, of people who don't have friends. So this this mum wrote on social media, I'm looking for somebody to be a friend to my son. You know, he wants somebody to play with because nobody talks to him at school. You think that's a dreadful situation to be in. That's like being shunned by everybody. They don't want to talk to you because they go, don't talk to him, we don't like him. And it's always the bullies, isn't it, in there? These people should be taken out of school and thrown somewhere else. Definitely. Uh, I did like and I did smile at the Comedy Courier, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, this bloke had a parcel which came from... I can't remember what it was. It's a two-foot-wide parcel. Okay, so it's a fairly big parcel. And the courier... (laughs) Nobody was in. So he's lifted up the doormat and he's put the parcel underneath the doormat and he's put the mat back on top of the thing. And he's put the note through the door going parcel under mad seriously there's a picture of it it's the funniest thing ever it's the funniest thing ever you know like nobody's going to go oh i can't imagine where the parcel's gone where's the parcel gone it's under the mat not with the next door neighbor it's under the mat and that's what i like about this country there's so many stupid balmy bonkers things that go on that when you get something like that you just can't can't help but laugh really can you because you think nobody could actually be that stupid and you go but they are they are. People are that stupid. They just don't understand about it. Uh, Steve, I do remember the picture of the little Colombian boy. It was from an advert for coffee in the 50s and 60s. Why would anybody be offended, said Tess? I think because that was, the, as you say, that was the 50s and 60s. Nowadays, there was a name for these little... They were called, and they are called, uh, little boys that hold candelabras and stuff like that. I think they're called blackamoors. And you can buy them. They sell them in um, Selfridges and Harrods. And people in posh houses have them at the foot of their stairs. And they're little black boys holding huge candelabras or th- all sorts of things. To be honest with you, I thought they, they, were, they were quite beautiful. But just me again, I'm afraid. Uh, the cricketer who fell to his death after sleeping on the hotel roof. Little Britain robbers. Yep, they've gone to prison. Well, one has actually. It's uh, Mark and Martin Pick. The dimmest of the dim. And uh, 18 years, one of them's got. Soup up your diet. Forgot to tell you about the Elvis guitar, which is up for sale. How much could it go for? They reckon about 340000 which, as far as I'm concerned, means it's going to go for a million. Don't you think so? If you want the perfect jeans, don't wash them. Britain's kindest village racks up 800 good deeds. And we still can't work out if uh, Cheryl Watts' face's marriage is on the rocks. Who knows? LBC. On... This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Thursday, the 7th of January. According to the papers, red wine is now not good for you. It's only a short while ago I was happily telling you that red wine's better for you than white wine. Now it turns out not true. Uh, Jihadi Sid, the murdering psychopath, he was on benefits, £21,000 a year. Hated the West so much, he's more than happy to take the golden shilling, wasn't he? Surprise, surprise, nobody won the lottery. So on Saturday, it finishes. They're going to make sure that somebody or a group of people will be winning it. Tom and his partner dive in. Amy Winehouse, his mum, says her daughter had Tourette's. Uh, why is the BBC peddling Lady C's poisonous poppycock? About the Queen Mother. She didn't know her. She didn't know anything about her. She's just desperate to try and make a name for herself. And we've had enough of her already. And um, Holly Willoughby bids FHM a fond farewell. Goodbye. Thank you. Dated. Dated completely. And uh, somebody wrote to me and said about the... um, About people who are now offended all the time. 
You know, people, you can't say anything. Somebody's going to be offended somewhere about it. You go, why can't we, whatever happened to that old biblical statement, you know, which was, turn the other cheek, turn the other cheek. I mean, God, if we spend our entire lives, you know, going, oh, we're offended by this, offended by that, you're not going to get anywhere, are you? Uh, absolutely agree with you, says Bob, about the people who put their feet on seats. Dirty peasants. Dirty peasants. Absolutely agree with you, 150%. Dirty people. They walk through mud and puddles and, you know, pigeon stuff and all the rest of it. And then they get on the train and put their feet on the seat. It's just disgusting. It really is. So this is the story that's in the papers today, that uh, a man who works as a manicurist... Uh, in one of those uh, nail bar things, got fined £50. Should have been a 1000 but I think we're all settling on 100 I mean, he was caught. I wish they'd had more people travelling on the trains. I wish they would employ more people to walk the trains and find out some of the things that people are getting up to. Dreadful, really. Dreadful. Uh, what else we got here? What else we got? I'm trying to get as many of these in as I can. Um, a tall boy, I think you'll find, Brian, is um, is a piece of furniture. That's a tall boy, isn't it? I think so. I'm pretty certain. Uh, one who says, uh, again, Stephen, the problem with the world today is that everybody's looking for a reason to be offended. Yeah, I mean, it is, isn't it? You can't... Uh, mind you, somebody else called Steve says people who put their children in shopping trolleys to push around the supermarket are worse. That's where your shopping goes. I know, the worst thing is there's a sign on the trolley. It says, do not put your children in there. They totally ignore it. It's like the thieving mothers who go round. You know, they open a packet of crisps, give it to the kid while they're going round. No intention of paying for it. They thieve. They thieve. And uh, 84850, steve at uk. And uh, Declan says, <laughs> he says, I got Vic to rub my feet last night and put fig rolls in my socks. I coughed all night. These old wives' tales never work. Actually, the funny thing is, I still think it's a placebo. I think it's, I think it's, um, I think it's a placebo with this, this, stuff on your feet. Different things work, don't they? People swear by everything. Years ago, years and years ago, you used to get the gardeners, and the gardener used to survive outdoors. None of these fancy things you've got nowadays. Nowadays, if you want to get rid of slugs, you go out there and you have to buy this and pellets and you put them underneath, and oh, it's dreadful. Little blue pellets, little tiny pellets. Sprinkle this around here. Sprinkle. Years ago, gardeners worked on salt, soot, and broken eggshells. And that kind of saw them through everything. Soot on the garden. People used to throw all their old... We used to do it as well. You must remember this if you're over the age of 40. When you used to have your tea, and we, we didn't have tea bags. I mean, I'm from an era where we just had loose-leaf tea. And then tea bags came along a bit later. We thought it was quite an invention, actually. And now, now, now I've got coffee bags. I mean, how, how clever we are. We've moved on. But in fact, we would empty the tea leaves out onto the garden. After you got them, you would empty them, and so you'd have to use a tea strainer. When I go to Patisserie Valerie and they give you a cup of tea, nine out of ten times they've got a blasted tea strainer with it. I mean, who uses loose-leaf tea nowadays? Probably that ghastly lady Colin Campbell. It's a sort of daft thing, you know. There's a tea bag. You pop it in the cup, pour the water on. Does anybody actually make a pot of tea anymore? No, if you're by yourself, how would you make a pot of tea? You just put. I can make a coffee bag do two cups of coffee for me. That's what I do, because I'm, I'm, I'm mean, I think. But no, we used to, and, and used to put eggshells on the garden to stop the, the, uh, the snails and the slugs crawling over there, because they didn't, didn't like sharp edges. Nowadays, I mean, it costs a fortune. An absolute fortune. I, I've got so many, so many different gardening things. <laughs> I've got things for everything. Seriously, it's unreal. Uh, Re Lonely Kid says, Jill, when I was young, there were youth clubs. I used to go weekly. They don't seem to exist now. I know we, I mean, I went to the youth club. It was called the Tuesday Night Club. And of course, it operated on a on a Tuesday, and it was run by the church. The church owned the hall. The hall is still there. The hall is still there. I've been when I go back home, 
uh, on odd occasions when I feel like a trip down the motorway in the car, if it's sort of a nice day, I think I'll go down and have a look and see how the town's changed. I like doing things like that because sometimes I see people I used to go to school with, but they wouldn't recognise me now at all because I'm quite a lot older than uh, than when I used to go to school. But I go up to the old um, the old hall that we used to rent for the Tuesday nightclub, and that was the first place I started DJing. And we used to get loads of kids up there, and we had we used to sell bottles of pop and uh, packets of crisps. And it was it was great. My friend Charles Street and Terry Hackwill, we were all part of this, and and loads of other people, and and they're still around. Sarah Pittard, as was Carol, I, you know, you just remember everybody. You remember it because they they were the people that you went to the youth club with, and everybody went out with people in the youth club. It was lovely. Now people don't have anywhere to go. Kids hang around outside McDonald's, outside Kentucky Fried Chicken. They're so bored. They've got nothing to do. You know, they stand outside. They're smoking. And um, and they end up sort of, you know, just sort of hanging around on the streets, just being a nuisance, really. Not actually serving any useful purpose. They don't want to go to school. They can't be bothered. Can't be bothered. I use loose tea, says Maggie. And Joe, here we go. I knew this had happened. Joe, Joe in Gillingham says, I'm making a pot of tea as I listen to you. Thank you very much indeed. Um, worst thing I've ever seen, says Jane, on a crowded train to Manchester, somebody flossing their teeth. Oh, surely not. I was I hate it whenever I get on a train. You know it's been my bugbear for years and years. Um, when you, you you get on a train, and it happened the other day. I was on the on the Reading train, and I'm sitting on there, and I'm sort of staring. And I'd been on the phone. I thought, no, now now it gets really busy at Clapham Junction. People pile on, and you know you've got legs and arms and bottoms in your face and all the rest of it. And the woman sitting opposite gets out the biggest bag of makeup, and we start troweling it on. I wouldn't mind if at the end of it they looked any different. But they don't look any different. They look exactly... You feel like saying to them, why did you do that? Did you not get up earlier in the morning? Don't you think it's a bit sort of peasanty to start putting your makeup on on the train? I've always wanted to do, as a, as a bit of a joke, get on the train in my pyjamas, set up a shower, and be standing under it, singing away to yourself, just to see... Because being Britain, nobody would say anything. Nobody would say a word, would it? Everybody's sitting there going, oh, it's very funny, he's having a shower on the train. And stand there and go, la, 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 and soap yourself up and everything else. I just wonder if anybody would actually say anything. Perhaps they should do it as some sort of, uh, some sort of comedy show. I think that could be, uh, could be quite funny. Uh, more of your texts and uh, emails coming in in a moment. Front page of the Express today. They're all obsessed with, look who's going to school already. This is Prince George wrapping up his first day at nursery school. Um, the new diet to halve the risk of getting Alzheimer's. Honestly, if it's not Alzheimer's, it's diabetes. There's always something. And storm-battered Britain is about to freeze as an Arctic blast brings snow and sub-zero temperatures. Woo! Get the gloves out. Get the gloves out. And the thick coats. You've all got them, haven't you? Big, thick coats and, uh, and a vest or something like that. Uh, outcriers. Asylum seekers hit 5,000 in just one month. As somebody said the other day, we had a man who's been granted asylum in this country who walked through the tunnel the Channel Tunnel, disrupting trains. Thousands and thousands of people were disrupted and uh, they've given him asylum. Kind of makes a mockery of the whole thing, doesn't it, really? One of the papers was saying, this is just ridiculous. Does this mean that everybody else is just going to start walking through the tunnel? They're not going to get stopped and then they're going to get the asylum. Well, they just stick them on a train. Make it a lot easier. The World Furious North Korea tests its first hydrogen bomb, so they say. They're not, they're not totally convinced by this. They, could, they think it could be a bit of a sham. Little bit of a sham. Uh, is he the most dangerous man in the world? Well, he's certainly the ugliest. And that's the North Korean leader, Kim Jong-un. And uh, here he is with his little henchmen standing around him. Any one of whom could have been shot dead by the end of this uh, photo session if they didn't, uh, didn't kowtow to what he, uh, he comes up with. He's a barking mad as his father, I'm afraid. And the village, who has laid claim to be the most kind-hearted community 
in the country, they carried out more than 800 random acts of kindness. They've done everything to a smile in the street, to secretly paying for a neighbour's vet bill, giving warm clothes to a rough sleeper, or youngsters painting public benches. So, nice people. They do say, actually, just do one good deed a day, and you will be rewarded 10,000 times. Just, you know, you don't have to give money to homeless people sitting by cash points. They're perfectly able of standing up unless they're disabled, in which case they should be in a chair or on crutches. But they tend not to be. They sit there looking a bit plain. You got any money? Most of them seem to have sort of strange voices. I don't know why they can't talk normally like, excuse me, do you have any money? Why, have you got any spare change? I'm sorry, why can't you just say, have you got any spare change? They've got a dog down there. And the dog appears to spend most of its time asleep. So, you know, if they stood up and they made some sort of effort, I'd feel more kindly disposed to them. And we did, uh, we did help out over Christmas with people sleeping in doorways. Many of these people have got issues. But, you know, everybody deserves the right to have some sort of life. But you've got to make an effort yourself. You've got to do something. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Uh, Ian, oh, morning, incidentally. Ian says, uh, Steve, I once saw a woman eating fish and chips on a train and sipping a glass of red wine. Well, that's ridiculous, Ian. Everybody knows you don't drink red wine with fish and chips. It's white wine. Got to be white wine, hasn't it? Never anything like it. And somebody called Jeremy wrote to me, bless his heart. He loves skating, hates working, but loves living. And uh, he's only got eight friends, which doesn't really help life. And he says, I didn't like your peasant comment. There's no need for that. He's only got, uh, he also says, and here is, here's the killer, he loves his weed. I don't know whether or not you're a gardener or anything like that, or it's what I suspected is. Because I looked at the picture, you look a bit spaced out, but only eight friends doesn't really uh, do you any favours, does it really? Uh, Merle says, eating, you know, sorry, um, putting uh, feet on seats. There is also an increase in workmen in dusty and paint-covered overalls sitting on the seats on buses and trains. Well, they shouldn't be allowed on there. They should not be allowed on. In fact, there's a sign at our, one of our local pubs. The George in Twickenham, uh, which says, you know, no people in workman's overalls. It's like, you know, the street cleaners, we don't want them sitting in, in uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. They're wearing dirty clothes. Dirty clothes, you don't want that kind of thing on the seats. I'm sorry, we're all respectable people. If you want to wear clothes like that, you go and change them, and then you go and eat, you know, where the normal people eat. You know, that kind of thing going on, it's ridiculous. But also, there's more and more sort of workmen using trains now. I don't know how they afford it. I really don't know how they afford it. They sort of get on, they're all clutching various things. Nobody seems to supply anything nowadays. Have you noticed? All the building sites, you've got to take your own power drill in, your own sort of spirit level, and they're all sort of staggering out with workmates and stuff like that, or stuff they bought online. I find it quite, quite interesting. And have you ever seen that young woman you gave £10 to, says Phil? Nope. Never from one day to the next. Never from one day to the next. I've never, ever seen her again. Never seen her again. But, uh, but I, I would recognise her. Absolutely. Tommy Basing so says Starbucks should put the statue back. Well, they, they wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think in my wildest dreams they'd be thinking of putting it back. Because the moment somebody draws attention to it, that's what they don't like. Because then it goes back to, have they paid any tax? You know, then it goes back to the fact that shouldn't the manager have known that somebody might have seen this as racist? Amazing. It takes Tandy Newton to do it, isn't it, really? Amazing. Uh, Steve, yoghurt pot with lager in it kills the slugs. Nicely drunk and they drown. Says Sean in very soggy Brighton. It's going to be very soggy, isn't it? I was going to bring you the weather uh, earlier on, and, and then I decided not to, because it, it's not particularly brilliant. And um, uh, Mark says, what's your issue with women applying makeup in front of you on the train? It's dirty. It's dirty. You should stay at home. I don't sit there and start dressing myself on the train. Why should they sit there and start applying makeup on? He says they're trying to make themselves look even more attractive for me. But that's the trouble, you see, Mark. They don't look any more attractive at the end of it. They think they do. I mean, some people, they seem to trowel on half of Boots' makeup counter. 
And they still don't look any different. Uh, another one here, which says, um, how can I get LBC to run programmes on, uh, on tax avoidance? And uh, I've got no idea. We do. We have a tax programme. We do. I think that, uh, that Clive Bull, actually, Clive Bull uh, does uh, tax problems. I used to do it years and years ago. We used to have somebody in from the tax office. Very popular, very popular. And Jan says, how can they say they haven't had a claim on the lottery? It's a rollover. I haven't checked my ticket. Um, well, because you haven't won, because they know within five seconds uh, of the... Because I used to go down to watch the National Lottery, and they do the draw, and then they go, nobody's won. And so we go, all right, nobody's won it. That's how they know. So it doesn't matter whether you've checked your ticket. You won't have any claim on it because you haven't won anything. OK, nothing. You might have won, you know, a tiddly little prize, but uh, but not uh, not anything major. There is no, no major winner. So it's a rollover on Saturday. I say because the computer throws it up. That's how they can process all these tickets so, so quickly. My mum used to put eggshells down to deter slugs and snails, but the sources of lager, she said it was kind of way for them to die happy. Yeah, they just drown, don't they? They drown. I used to pick them up with chopsticks and put them in a bag with Sultan. Not very nice, I admit. And uh, Steve, um, lady on the Piccadilly line clipping her fingernails. It's people who sit there. I saw a woman going uh, down the escalator once and she had a Tupperware box and she's eating pasta out of it. Is it? I mean, it's, <laughs> I've hardly ever seen things like that. So it obviously turns out to be a certain sort of person. I don't know. Uh, and somebody says, Suggs are soft, small and defenceless. Please don't hurt them. No, they have to die. They're evil. They're evil. They were going to put them in a James Bond film, but they were too evil, even for a James Bond film. I have no intention of putting plants out, which I've spent good money on, only to watch them being eaten. So I'm afraid slugs have to die. They have to go, I'm afraid. Uh, another one here, very quickly. Uh, let's try and get a few more of these in, just so we can find out what's, uh, what's going on in the world. Oh, yes, somebody was uh, talking to me about um, the story which came up in the papers of Amy Winehouse and her mother saying that she thought she had Tourette's. And somebody wrote to me saying, well, I don't remember seeing any evidence of this in any of the interviews she ever did. She never... I thought Tourette's. I might have got this wrong, because I don't know enough about it. Um, it, it's all of a sudden people come out with these words. They sort of swear or something like that. Well, I never saw that from her at all. I th- she always managed to sort of, sort of conduct an interview in that sort of way. But I, d- I didn't see anything at all like that. I really didn't. Um, Evergreen star Roy Hudd is on top form in a question and answer session for the Lady magazine. And uh, asked what was the nastiest thing that anybody had ever said to him. The actor and musical expert said, A BBC spokesman told me I should be more like Jonathan Ross. He was then asked if he believed in aliens. Yes, he said, the last one I met, who said the above. And what would he like to uh, be on his epitaph? Uh, died, 2036, he said. For the record, Mr Hud is 79. He was doing pantomime. I think he probably might still be doing it, actually, at Wilson's Musical. Very clever. Uh, is it destined for the back of your cupboard? This was the Tom Daly effect on this, this thing, which he's obviously cooking on his thing because he can manage to do it and he's got sausages and bacon and beans and something else. I didn't know what it was. But uh, the one thing that I always got the most value out of, out of all those useless gadgets that you bought years and years ago, was a toast... Ma- um, 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 what do they call it? Not a, a, toast- a toasted ham and cheese sandwich maker. Tfell used to do one. You could take, and other was available, but you could take the plates out and wash them. I had one that you couldn't take the plates out, but it was delicious. What does everybody ever do? Cheese and tomato, cheese and ham, ham and chicken, and, and that was about it. We sort of ran out of ideas, actually. Very popular with students, but then students didn't know what They probably thought it was a computer or something. Um, I thought it was great, actually. Uh, I never bought a George Foreman grill because I discovered you could buy any grill and just prop the back legs up. That was exactly what it was. It's, uh, it's got bigger legs at the back than it has at the front. 
And there's that ridiculous piece that they were running on the television with this woman and her family. And she says, because all the fat runs off, I can eat as much of this as I like. And I thought, I don't think so, dear. I don't think so. Ice cream makers were very popular, weren't they? Except unless you bought a really posh one that froze in, had the little motor to freeze. You were kind of stuck with freezing the bowl. And it it, it wasn't as simple as you thought it was. Uh, A soda stream. We had a soda stream. It was very exciting. You put in water. You put in the little bulb thing. You screwed it in. Like that. And then when you say, I used to be fascinated by it. I'd be constantly sort of, you know, getting water, putting it in, making it into soda water. How much soda water did we drink? Apparently, loads of soda water. Loads of soda water. Front pages of the papers. German cities terrorised by migrant sex gangs. It's on the front of the Express. Britain faces the Arctic blast. Prince George looking cute, but then... I think all kids look cute when they're going up. Wrapped up for his first day at nursery school. Get a bigger picture in the sun this morning. Uh, Red wine... Um, stop thinking it's good for you. There's a major blitz on boozers because people go, oh, it's good for you. And people think, oh, that's fine. I'll drink loads of it. And it turns out not to be good for you. Nadia in race hate cop alert, which was the story I told you about earlier on. When the grooms attack, this is the Daily Mirror. This is the, uh, the nasty little piece of work who got married and then punched somebody's lights out. He was drunk. It's always alcohol, isn't it, related. And so now the poor old uh, bride isn't talking to her best friend, who she's known since school, which is a little bit tedious, a little bit worrying. Uh, Lotto jackpot hit 60 million. They've said it's 57. That's what they're estimating at the moment. But I think you'll find it will be 60 million, if not more. And if it's not won by somebody with six numbers, which is nigh on impossible, it will drop down. So if three people have five numbers plus the bonus then they will split the 60 million. So 20 million each, approximately. So that's not bad, is it? We could cope with 20 million. So the odds could be better. Could be better. So, of course, you're all going to go mad now and push it through the roof. Uh, Big Brother Gay Hate Storm. Uh, They've got to kick out this buffoon. We can't have stuff like that on the television. It's absolutely unacceptable. Ofcom are investigating. There are 160 complaints. That's quite serious as far as they're concerned. Um, The uh, pupils' timetable to accommodate fasting Muslims. Some lady wrote to us and said that uh, the children don't fast at that time. So who knows? And they're running with that on the metro as well. They're saying exams move for Ramadan. I mean, presumably we've had Ramadan every year and I've never heard of this before. So is this just somebody sort of, you know, trying to make it look as though everybody's sort of bending over backwards to accommodate Muslims so kids have got to take their exams quicker? I do not know. More UK Islamists evade the security services to join ISIS. As long as they're not on benefits, I couldn't care less where they go. As long as they go and they don't come back. And the Corbyn chaos, three shadow ministers who quit. Uh, That's it for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Don't forget, uh, we have a free podcast for you up in about 15 minutes. And you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Steve Allen Show. At Steve Allen Show. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at seven. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. And this morning you have the delights of Quentin Letts looking at the papers. Coming up next, though, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC.